a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no And welcome back to Movies for a Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Egan. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Kuyper. And today's episode was one that we didn't... We had our whole year planned out. And then there was one movie that I absolutely had to talk about. And then we came up with this great topic that kind of goes back to uh, what I liked about the show. is putting two totally different movies against each other. And that's what we've got going on today. Uh, we're talking about the directorial debuts of actors. And honestly, this kind of pairs a little bit with our episode from last time, too. Yeah. With having, well, not last time, but from a couple times ago with that thing you do being Tom Hanks and his directorial debut. Uh, so now what are we looking at today? Well, I guess mine's going first, so I should mention mine yeah. first. So the directorial debut of one Bill Paxton, the late great Bill Paxton, uh, from 2001, Frailty. Banger movie. Yeah. And from me, we're looking at Mr. Bradley Cooper's directorial debut with uh, 2018's A Star is Born. Yeah. So both from our current millennium but uh still 20 years apart almost and two terrific actors who also star in the movie and that is an interesting um i always find that interesting i mean i can't imagine having your directorial debut the first movie you ever direct also having to be one that you act in uh seems like a real challenge to me but whenever I see interviews from them, they're always they always say that it was so much easier because they could they could be a part of the scene and manipulate the scene how they saw it like while they were in it. That kind of was a little bit more helpful to them. That's what I've always heard actors say. Yeah, it's really interesting because I mean, obviously they're approaching this from the point of view of acting. So these movies are both. I mean, as they look great, both of them too, but mm-hmm. they. They're very much character movies. They're act. Oh, yeah. They're actorly movies. Uh, the performances are at a level that is, I think, can really be so well achieved by, you know, actors directing actors. I think that is yeah. um, one of the aspects that is interesting about you know actors when they become directors. They both feel like these movies both feel like they have like actor dream roles in them, you know? They do. They do. I think that, uh, you know, in both cases, because, okay, Bill Paxton was originally given this script for frailty uh, to 
star as dad in the movie. Uh, and then he kind of fell in love with the material and he said to uh, David Kirshner, who has come up a couple of times on this show. Uh, when we, I know, I saw that. And yeah, I was like, hey, yo. Yeah, well, so up? when we talked about <laughs> Child's Play and Hocus Pocus, uh, he's the producer of those. And he's known for giving some uh, first-time directors some gigs, you know, so that's a cool thing um, for giving people a shot at that. And so with Frailty... Uh, Bill Paxton kind of said, I I think we need someone who really understands this material, really gets it to be our director. And then he suggested himself. <laughs> and David Kirshner was like, all right, let's do it. And so uh, we are going to talk about this one first. Uh, so let's go ahead. Should we just dive into that instead of doing a little go. more preamble? Um, okay. So we, I think that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So um, this movie does, in fact, star Bill Paxton as dad. Uh, then we have Matthew McConaughey. The reason that I went to go see this movie, ah. <laughs> it it de- it debuted on uh-huh. April twelfth, two thousand one, which is my birthday. There you go. <laughs> and it starred Matthew McConaughey, who I was in love with at the time. So of course I went to go see it on my birthday. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey was kind of the hot young star, rising star at the time. You know, I really ever since a time to kill. Whew, yeah, yeah, time to kill. And um, he had uh, around. He had done Amistad. He had a small part in Amistad. Of course, probably his best known early performance would be, of course. Texas Chainsaw, New Generation, I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> would be uh, uh, Richard Linkletter's Dazed and Confused. Uh, that's where the whole all right, all right, all right, you know, persona, yep. I think, comes from is uh, from that movie. Um, but also, you got this great supporting, ca- you know, Powers Booth, mm-hmm. I think is so yeah. good in this. I yeah. love him in this. Then uh, mostly names that you probably are not familiar with, you know, you because ha- we have the two boys. We've got Matt O'Leary as young Fenton and who is remarkable. That is a really, really good child performance. And then uh, Jeremy Sumter as young Adam. So here's a warning. OK, we need to. <laughs> spoil the shit out of this movie and the thing is i think so (laughs) and i think and i think we need to spoil something about the ending right off the top in order to even talk about it i won't spoil the entire ending because there are a few things that happen in that ending section but the one key thing about this that kind of needs to be known right at the beginning so if you haven't seen this and you want to be surprised by it because there are several surprises throughout the course of the film Hmm. ghosts just you know skip ahead to like the second half and listen to a star is born um you know so we get the download but um (laughs) 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 ulterior motives but you know make sure you see frailty before you listen to this because we really are going to spoil it just like right off the top so this is your big long ass spoiler alert that I've been talking here for, you know, over a minute to give you. <laughs> Just spoil it already. Yeah, so we got to spoil it. Okay, so going to say I really like the way the movie sets up. It just kind of dives right into it. We see all these newspaper clippings for the God's Hand killer. We know it's going to have something mm-hmm. that there's a, almost a true crime feel to those opening credits. And then the first thing we see is Powers Booth as the FBI agent, Wesley Doyle. And he's in charge of this investigation. Okay. And then a man is brought in, and it's Matthew McConaughey, and he says that his name is Fenton Meeks. 
here's the thing. He's not. <laughs> there's the spoiler. There's the spoiler. He's not actually Fenton Meeks. He is, in fact, Fenton's younger brother, Adam, saying that he's Fenton. Okay? Yep. That's very important. I think that knowing that, I mean, is the only... I don't know how else to discuss the movie without saying that off the top because the whole movie is, I, I thought about this, like this movie is really about perspectives and there's objective perspectives and subjective perspectives throughout this thing. And he's telling this whole story. Adam is telling this whole story from Fenton's perspective. And that's just, I find that fascinating about this. Yeah. Uh, so he walks in, he says he's Fenton Meeks and he says, my brother is, he's already there. Yeah. He's in there. (laughs) He's in there. And he says, my brother is the God's hand killer. He says, I know this because he called me last night and, and we see Fenton quote unquote Fenton shoot himself anyway. So that's in right in the opening sequence. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is all bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but we won't know that until the end of the movie. Uh, that's that's the kind of the mind fuck about this movie, I think. There are several mind fucks about this movie, I think. And perspective is a big element of that. There's a couple things that I didn't remember that were part of, yeah, the ending reveal too, that I was that thought added another extra layer to it, to what both of these boys like went through and yes. how they both ended up. Which we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, because, I mean... So, the, but the, yeah, that is important to talk about that because yeah. there's like... I think there's certain ways that Adam tells the story about Fenton that give do, do give clues, I think, later to later on, like what the what the reveal was, if you knew that. Yeah. Like one of my, one of my favorite things right at the beginning is when he tells uh, Powers Booth that his brother is the God's hand killer. Like he says, like, why do you, why do you doubt me before hearing my story? It's like, well, because it doesn't make sense as well. Sometimes truth defies reason. But it's also about like, I think that also the way he says it too is he's also talking about like what they go through, like with the, the doubt in God, you know, (laughs) and in the story. So I was like, ah, okay. Yeah. You know, you can kind of, you can kind of see the, the fanaticism underneath, Mm -hmm. just underneath, like the way he says things. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because, okay. So getting into Fenton's head, I mean, he's only assuming that he knows what Fenton's thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as far as I can tell, because I don't know, it's 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 sort of twisty and turny in that sense too. I think it kind of the more I think about this movie, the more it's kind of like, how could he know that? As an audience, it doesn't really matter if he knows or not, because it's just Adam's interpretation of what Fenton experienced as a child, right? Which it could have been totally different when we see mm-hmm. how Fenton actually turned out. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so it's yeah. very interesting. So most of this movie takes place in the summer of 1979 in the town of Thurman, Texas. And they show Adam and Fenton as young boys. Uh, Adam's three years younger. Fenton is a little bit tougher. He's a little bit more, I guess, 
worldly. I don't know if that's <laughs> how else to put that exactly. He um, that he talks about like we're gonna go see the Warriors. He's and I and, love that. and Adam says we can't see that. It's rated R. And and uh, Fenton <laughs> says we'll sneak in. You know, I mean, it's just that's just an example. Um, yeah. And then, you know, it starts out right at the beginning. Adam singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And Adam, and, and Fenton is like, what? So you're supposed to say where? <laughs> you know, I, and uh, Fenton is just like, whatever. He's not into that. Whereas mm-hmm. um, Adam is very much into sort of this um Sunday school religiosity, yeah. uh, which is an interesting setup. And this Garden of Eden imagery here that they live <laughs> live behind yeah. the garden. They literally live behind the Garden of Eden. I yeah, it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's really cool thing cool. for like a small town to have is this rose garden. I was like, that's, that's a nice little touch. <laughs> I loved that too. And you know, what's funny is we actually have a, in Tacoma, um, there's a beautiful rose garden at a near the zoo, and so it's not really in the middle of a little town. It's in the middle of the city, oh, but nice. it's just kind of <laughs> this cool thing. Um, yeah, my favorite thing yeah. about this this movie and this initial setup that actually runs all the way through the movie, no matter where, like all the crazy shit that happens, mm-hmm. is the family yeah. dynamic. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, because it's just uh, the mom died giving birth to adam so yeah. it's just been the boys the three boys by themselves all this time and uh, yeah it's kind of the thing of like young kids having to do housework and like cook dinner for the family but it's it's a it's a thing where they're all a, they're a team they're, they are they've made they've made this little family unit together they've made it work for themselves where they all take care of each other and they all look after each other and they're so it's just the dad is an absolute sweetheart yeah <laughs> the beginning this, like I mean, right at the beginning you know even they're so they're all so caring for another yeah. and like you but that and that never really ends no that's right it's yeah i mean even in a, in a weird way yeah even, <laughs> even amidst all the uh crazy murder um it his dad is kind of a sensitive soul yeah yeah <laughs> so, it's, which is so strange which i can see why bill paxton would want to play that character uh-huh because it's so complex and it sounds it's he's not just a sociopath he's not just this yeah. blank cold-blooded murderer he's sensitive and caring parent who yes uh, <laughs> who has this belief and the way the movie deals with that belief, I think, is really fascinating, too. Yeah. Uh, as frightening as it all is. <laughs> because, because it I'm doesn't give a completely... For sure. Yeah, it, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't give, give a... It doesn't give a completely... <laughs> evi- doesn't give us a definitive one way or the other on it. Yeah. And I think that makes it so much more interesting. Right up to the end. I was like... <laughs> it's like damn it really <laughs> <laughs> so that that final re- that stuff is like oh my gosh so like is there something supernatural going on in this movie i can't really say for sure yeah because when you get to that ending it's it's sort of like that's the f- there are objective things that make you doubt your senses you know, yeah, and I think that is uh, one of the coolest things. This is okay, but they could also be coincidences. They at could the same time. <laughs> totally, and that's one of the things that's like okay, this is this is okay. This is coming out at a time when there were a lot of movies that were a little bit 
playing on that twist ending. You know, you had the usual suspects. You had, uh, like, uh, I don't know if you remember that movie Primal Fear with yeah i love that movie. yeah that, yeah that was another one um you had fight club you had of course the sixth sense it, where all these movies were like let's let's just crank the ending so that it it screws you up here's the thing about this one mm-hmm. though i think this one oh and like the devil's advocate i think it does to some extent too <laughs> i love that movie. <laughs> yeah me too but all of these are like they're psychological thrillers more than horror films in a lot of ways. I mean, I hate to make that distinction, but it's it, there is, I think, difference I there. Know. But they're also not all of those really survive a lot of rewatches. It, like The Sixth Sense, I'm like, I know the ending. I I'm good, you know. I saw it a second time to sort of see how it went. And it was like, oh, okay. Then I haven't really seen it since. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's good. It's fine, you know. Um, but <laughs> I haven't either, honestly. I, I, I like that movie, but, you know. But there are a lot of movies like this, I guess, is what I'm saying. This one stands up to sort of like lots of rewatches, I think. I find myself, I've seen this, you know, just within the last couple months this is my second or third time seeing it and i hadn't seen it in a really really long time but i still remembered certain elements of the twist but the way it's woven in and out throughout the whole narrative i think makes it something that's interesting to ponder upon that some twist ending movies sort of fail to capture you know on rewatch and this one if you look at it just a little bit deeper too there's a there's maybe more layers than you noticed before because there was this last time i had totally forgotten about the um the secretary yes, character yes she shows up at a and i was beginning, like and i was like, I was oh, like shoot. oh shit yeah because of what she says in that first uh-huh. scene i was like oh my god she's fucking in on it yeah and i i totally forgotten yep. about that when it gets to the end with her because of what because of yeah, what she says, she's like, "Oh, Fenton, yeah, we've been looking for him." It's like, "No, you haven't." That's oh, right. okay, okay. <laughs> when it turns out to be his wife at the end, you're like, "Oh man!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so good. So, so we, like, we gave away another is she part of it. Is she seriously? Yeah, sorry. The ending is twist <laughs> upon twist upon twist. I know. <laughs> so, um, like we said, spoiling the shit out of this thing. But um, I think that's a fun way to talk about it, though. Because... Yeah. Um, okay. So the the whole setup of this is, you know, you have this family. That's just these three guys. One day, dad, and that's all he's ever called is dad, comes home telling the boys that he had no it was like the middle of the night yeah yeah in the middle yeah and he he tells them he tells the boys that he's had a vision from god uh that the end of the world is coming and demons have been unleashed upon the world and they are supposed to destroy them they have been called as a family to destroy demons here's the here's the catch the demons look like humans so, yeah. Uh, so this movie is dealing with religious fanaticism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dealing with, I think, human nature in an interesting way. Because uh, when he first gets... Okay, because dad gets a list of demons, right? I lo- then the scene where Adam comes in and he has that list. Yeah. And he says, isn't this the boys? Boys that were picking, picking on, on you last week. Says, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, they're demons. Yeah, they're demons. <laughs> I swear, God told me. And and Dad actually says, you know, 
if we l- use your list, we'd be killing people. Destroying mm-hmm. uh, demons is good. Killing people, well, that's wrong. And I, I think that is just sort of a fascinating little scene that somehow... But, I mean, again, all these perspectives, too, because he's telling the story and he tells the story that he could not have been there for, of how, for example, Dad gets Otis the axe. You know, he's just driving down the road and he sees this shaft of light shining on a barn (laughs) and he pulls in and he looks into the, uh, and he goes inside and there's this light shining on an axe in a stump. And it's a beautifully shot scene. It looks gorgeous. And, and like these gloves laying there, it's like, well, I got, I got this axe and, this glove. I love that, you know, Otis is uh, carved into the handle of the, of the axe and, and then he gets like a, like a pipe or something like that. This is the, this yeah. is the weapon. This is the third weapon. And then God's going to reveal to me who the demons are. There's going to be like a list of names. He's going to get the first seven yeah. pretty soon. Yeah. That scene where he gets the first list of names is, well, what do you think about that? Uh, how it um, when he's underneath the car? I think he's hallucinating and kinda, personally. Yeah, and it like it transforms from like he, he's just kind of like staring up, and it mm-hmm. it transforms into like a, a church, uh, mm-hmm. the inside of a church, and like and like a Roman type angel like yeah comes down with like a sword on fire at him. And the thing so, is, I don't know about the religious imagery. <laughs> like, you know, I we mean, were just talking about off mic. Yeah, is that like accurate to how angels are described? Not really. Um, angels are described in multiple ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's like angels that have wings that cover their eyes, they cover their feet, ones that are flying. I mean, that's in Isaiah. They're they're depicted as you know, like just um, frightening. You know, something that. You know, people who see angels just kind of are scared because I mean, it's the, like the really? because of the just like the overpowering image, you know, of them. But on the other hand, uh, you have the angels like Gabriel coming to Mary. She doesn't she seems to be like in awe, but there's a, a sense of calm about it, too, like a peace to it. Yeah, it just kind of made me wonder, like, where that image came from in his head. Yeah, I mean, it could have been from a movie. It could have been from, you know, a yeah. a, pa- a painting. Um, because I mean, that's what it looks like, right? You know, it looks like a, angels are described like in the Bible painting. the way that characters are described in lots of books. You know, where you kind of get an idea, but you don't really get the full picture. Uh-huh. You know, because, I mean, it's probably in a lot of ways, I, whether you believe in angels or not. I mean, I think that I think from a religious perspective, they'd be something that would be kind of beyond description in human terms, too. I mean, this is also kind of just the first instance where you're also thinking mental illness. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, schizophrenia, possibly, mm-hmm. but it's really specific. So it, it just kind of makes me wonder, like that makes that makes me wonder like if it's partially true you know yeah exactly and you know that's one of the things because the movie never gives you a definitive answer like we've said right yeah because he's laying under the car there could be a leak he could have fallen asleep yeah because i mean they're like the one of his co-workers is like welding next to him i mean what if there's like a a leak in the acetylene somewhere and he's getting high and you know <laughs> he's seeing the sparks flying around him 
you know, what if there's fumes from the cars or something like that? Who knows what's going on? But on the other hand, maybe he really is seeing this vision. Maybe it it, it actually gives you enough information to make your own decision. And I think that is really interesting thing about it, the movie. Yeah, the thing with the the light shining onto the barn could have just been his interpretation of something that was actually happening. You've he saw beam. a religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've seen that kind of stuff around. I have before. photographs like, he of just beams took a of religious coming out of the clouds. <laughs> yeah, know? he just saw it from his religious interpretation. But this scene is is a little bit different, and I still don't know like what no. it could be. Could be he fell asleep. Yeah. He was having a hallucination. It could be mental I illness. <laughs> I, like you said, I yeah. think that is a distinct possibility too. I think it's uh, who. It's interesting. And then, you know, right off the bat, you know, because he tells them that they'll look like people, that the demons will look like people. And Fenton's like, we can't go and kill people. He says, you'll see. You'll see. Then you'll believe. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, and then Fenton, you know, while they're talking, uh, I think they're in bed, you know, because they, they have this, Adam and Fenton share the same bedroom and uh, says, you know, none of that demon junk is real. Daddy made it up. Uh, is what Fenton is saying right away. Adam, however, is like sort of blindly believing everything his yeah. dad says. Fenton says something to his his dad at one point. He says, maybe, and he's like so scared to say it. So he's like, maybe you're not right in the head. <laughs> right. But, you know, also knowing what Fenton becomes, you're just kind of like, know. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, there's, there's tough stuff going on here. Anyway, uh, this scene where he brings home the first quote-unquote demon he's got the lead he's got the pipe in the back in his back pocket and there's like blood on the back of his shirt and he's opening the shed that image i there's something about that image that is just like so creepy well even before that fitton's looking outside and he just sees his dad walk by with a bundle Bundle. over his shoulder that's clearly a body you know it's just like oh that's so creepy and then they show this nurse you know tied up duct taped and uh, he calls the boys in to help. Again, keeping with just them being him being a loving father and family. He's none of this. He plays all of this as if none of it's wrong or weird. Right. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, boys, come on in here and check this out. I'm going to kill this person right in front of you. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't yeah. say it like that. That's that's what it is. And it's just it's so hard to. You feel you feel bad for the dad, in a way. It's interesting because if if you're going with the like something's wrong with him, yeah. and he's obviously a good guy, but there's something not right. Because okay, you could watch this movie in so different, so many different ways. You could yeah. you could say he's crazy, you could say he's evil, or these people really are demons, and he's right. And you can yeah. and and <laughs> each interpretation is really interesting way to watch the movie. And so this first one is this woman is Cynthia Harbridge and he lays her on the floor. You know, he's got Otis in his hands and he's saying Fenton. Dad is saying this Fenton. If I could spare you this, I would. But we are God's servants. Don't be afraid. The saying was like, well, God told me that if I touch them, their sins will be revealed to me. So he they show him. It's kind of a dead zone moment. He yeah. he touches this woman and just has this violent reaction to what he, quote unquote, whatever he's sees, seeing in his head, yeah. whatever he's seeing in his head. Now, we don't see it at this point. 
it says you know when I touched her, all I could see was the evil, and I had to I had yeah. to do it, and I had to kill her, I had to use the axe on, had to use Otis to uh, take care of that. And then also like him describing how he found her in the first place. He said he'd never been there before, but he knew exactly where to go. And then you also think like, okay, where does he get these names? Right. Is it the phone book? <laughs> Which is, also, is it? Yeah, it's just another confusing part of the movie. And that's where we also have an unreliable narrator because Adam is telling this story and Adam believes, and he believes in this. He believes it. Yeah. And so he could be like, leaving out elements like where he got the names Mm -hmm. because he believes they came from uh, the angel, quote unquote, (laughs) which another thing, (laughs) another way you could look at it is what if the angel that appears to him is actually a demon trying to get him to kill people. I didn't think of that. Trying to deceive him. I only thought of that just now, but I, that's another sort of supernatural way of looking at it too. Yeah. So it could, you know, because um, I'm, I've been writing about this. So um, in the Bible, it says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel. He pretends to be an angel. So I, I don't know. That's a, another, I'll have to watch this again and see, watch it through that perspective, <laughs> you know, see if that's, that's a way to look at it. I think it could be interesting too. Or even the first time that the angel supposedly comes to him when they kind of, they do that flashback. It's, he just sees, uh, he, there's like a trophy on the desk that starts glowing. across the yeah. room that starts glowing. It's like, that could be the moonlight yeah. shining through the window. It probably is, you know, it's the same, yeah. the same thing with the, the beam of light into the barn. It's just the, the interpretation. Yeah, it's just all these. It could be either way. It's just all these various forms of perception, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so that now it cuts back to the present day, uh, and Doyle, you know, is just listening to this story, and he's he's kind of gobsmacked, and Fenton, quote unquote, really Adam, remember, uh, agrees to take him to the Rose Garden where uh, Fenton's victims are buried. And Fenton himself, apparently. Yeah. F- not Fenton. Where? At, he, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> it's confusing because he's, he's flipping the names. He's flipping <laughs> yes. the names, so it makes it hard to talk about him. But um, he's, he's just basically saying, you know, hey, I'm going to show you where the bodies are buried, including the God's Hand killer. Adam keeps asking... Um, Doyle about the picture on his desk of him and his mother, mother. who was we've, we talks about his mother being uh, being murdered. Um, yeah. And then, you know, all these questions. There's a little clue here that's kind of fun um, where Doyle says to Adam in the backseat, you're good at this. You ever think about mm-hmm. becoming a cop? And Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Adam says, I wanted to when I was a kid. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and then Doyle, Doyle says something like, you're hiding something, but I haven't quite figured it out yet. Uh-huh. My instincts, <laughs> because they're, they're both these, you know, instinctual people, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think there's interesting because it cuts back to 1979 again. And uh, Adam is watching this show on television called Davy and Goliath. It was a corny little stop motion animated show that was like a, a Sunday school show, like teaching kids, yeah. you know, biblical things and um, stuff like that. 
And there's a line there that sort of underscores the theme of this that I think that dad and Adam are ignoring. And it says, the the dad on Davy and Goliath says, God lets you decide for yourself. You're not a puppet on a string. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I think that is a key element of this movie that is is fascinating. It And it makes me, it gives me that idea. It's like, well, what if, because, okay, here's all things. <laughs> here's my belief. God will never ask you to kill a human being ever. <laughs> yeah. I would hope not. Yeah, that is just not the situation. Jesus uh, was much more about peace and not so much into the killing thing. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So um, (laughs) just, just to boil it down, in the world that we live in, God is not going to call you to murder people. Just saying. And this comes from me as a, you know, as a Christian believer. (laughs) So I'm not going to. So I think that no matter what in this situation, um, what dad is doing is, in fact, evil. (laughs) Okay, but the movie doesn't tell us that. And I think that's interesting because but that puppet on a string thing really stood out to me because I don't think that. God would force anyone into doing something like this, you know? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking yeah. too when I heard that. Yeah, which would make me think that this is not, in fact, if it is a supernatural entity, that it is something other than God doing it. Somebody, something claiming to be God. Something pretending, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that I th- but I th- or an angel or angel really. He keeps talking about the he angel. He talks more about the angel. Not actually God. Yeah, yeah. God doesn't come to him. The angel does. Uh, now this and there's this other little interesting sort of detail. Uh, Fenton refuses to walk through the garden to get home, mm-hmm. and there's a double meaning there. Obviously, he doesn't want to walk through there because that's where the bodies are buried. But there's also this sort of exile from Eden kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> like they've been kicked out of the garden and they have fallen from grace, as it were, uh, by through these acts. And I think that's. Um, thematically a, an interesting thing too uh, and the the scene where they take the boys he takes the boys with him to catch the next demon is yeah god i like this i like this scene yeah though. it's a good <laughs> scene but it's like wow um and then he says something about you know dad told us that nothing not even a camera could catch us we were invisible when we were god's hands people could look right at us and not see us and not remember what we looked like um, mm-hmm. I thought, which, you know, again, comes back later, <laughs> comes back later. Um, but then, you know, this, this scene is very much from Fenton's perspective. He's looking, even the camera gets in a subjective this position. My fa- this is my favorite shot yeah. in the movie. Where it, where it pans from hit from the, yeah. the person coming out of the store over to dad. The, yeah. And stuff. They're waiting for the next demon, quote unquote, yeah. to, to come out of the store and dad's, you know, sitting there reading Fenton's in the front seat with him and he Fenton sees the guy come out first mm-hmm. and so you're just he, he, yeah it does the pan back and forth thing because you're hoping hoping the dad doesn't see but then it pans back and he's looking looking up we haven't really talked about um, Bill Paxson's direction very good 
and especially in something like this. Yeah, he's very assured. Yeah, you know, um, lots of great he shots. Knows what he uh, wants. God, like all of the shots of like d- with the axe. You know, they're so like o- iconic, like yeah. screenshots from this movie. You know. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, so this guy Edward March. He um, now also we. <sighs> Because, okay, so they, they, again, they kill this guy. So he says, my, traps him by saying, you know, my dog, you know, got under, they use Fenton as bait, essentially, for this guy. Mm -hmm. You know, my dog crawled under your car, and then, you know, he leans over to get it, and dad hits him over the head with the pipe. Now, this is an interesting thing. Adam says he sees it when dad touches them. And and I have a question and then about. Fenton says, "No, he doesn't. He's brainwashed you." Yeah, that makes me wonder. Like, okay, Dad claims that the gloves are for you know, so he can get kidnapped the people, and then when he takes the gloves off and touches him, is when he sees their sins. Right. Um. Like again, like with the dead zone type thing. If he can see it, how does how's Adam supposedly seeing them too? It's like being projected to him. Yeah, and that's. That's one of the things because, in fact, you know, earlier on, you know, dad says something like, when I touch them, you'll see, too, yeah. something to that effect. Or after after he kills the first yeah. girl, he's like, I'm sorry you didn't see it like you will next time. Yeah. Like, that's what supposedly is going on. That He's waiting for Fenton to become a believer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, that makes me wonder, like, what is Adam really seeing? Is it, yeah. is it? brainwashing or is it it's true and you know the thing is actually seeing something when they show the flash he's seeing he's seeing dad's reaction Mm -hmm. which is very Mm -hmm. strong and he obviously gets i don't know he gets something from them and we realize that something that he says later he says about this guy march is that he like killed babies or whatever and if we believe like the little shot that comes up later for him and for the first woman yeah then he's right. Then he's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but again, we have an unreliable narrator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's part of the fun of this. Movie, I just, I, that's why I'm, I'm not, I'm not like mad about it. I'm no. just like, that's just, it's just fun the way it's all, it's like perfectly like put together to where you can see it from all these different perspectives. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of fun that way, even though it's, it's one of those like fun, frustrating <laughs> type of things where you don't really get a good answer, but it's kind of more fun that way. Yeah. That's, I think why I've always kind of liked this movie. Yeah. It's because of that reason. Now I like uh Bill Paxton in this uh kill scene too. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he, there's a sensitivity to it. There's he's he's really, really upset by what he sees. Mm-hmm. Which if he in fact sees what we says he sees, then I get that. I mean he's like he's a child yeah. murderer. He's a abuser, a molester, you know, you get that impression all wrapped up yeah. in this. And it's like when he kills him, it's like damn straight you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah i think there's a level of empathy with him yeah you know believing that there are demons that need to be destroyed and when you yeah when you see supposedly what this guy has done sure mm-hmm. and i like the line that he has here too because it comes back again uh with to adam later and he says you know didn't think anyone knew about that did you yep <laughs> it's like well god saw you and you can't escape god's wrath <laughs> right it's a good that's just i love his performance on it because he the whole time bill paxton is playing it so yeah with like this real conviction kind of sensitive kind of sensitivity and empathy but also like true conviction conviction for what he's doing and Mm -hmm. he just has like 
the the eyes it always looks like he's just like sad about it the whole yeah, time yeah like being revealed yeah. to this world and having to deal with this and having to bring his boys into it but he's so convinced of it that this is what he has to do there's still a pain behind it though yeah which is kind of what makes you sympathize with him yeah very much because so. again he does stay a good guy a good mostly a good father i don't like what he does when he makes fenton do but right. <laughs> but there's still a sensitivity like towards him like it's not th- the way that he sees it from his perspective is not punishment or anything it's just he's just so deep in his belief yep that, that's what's eh, yeah it's hard <laughs> it really is i mean that's one of the things that and this is a daring kind of movie for a first-time director yeah you know and i don't think this movie made a whole lot of money uh, but it's one of those things where you go, man, this is the kind of thing that I wish they, they don't make movies like this anymore because they're too yeah. daring. You know, they, it might show up, something like this might show up on Netflix and things like that. And that's, that's cool. You know, so I'm not going to say they don't make movies like this, but I mean, I remember reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie and even he said, this is a daring movie, but Bill Paxton is so popular. He has nothing to lose. You know, he's not going to stop being in James Cameron movies because he made frailty. You know, <laughs> that's essentially what he said. His next movie is acting career is solid, so it's not going to going yeah. anywhere anyway, which is true, which is always. Yeah, to- yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Totally beloved. And he did a lot of TV, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. And this movie proves how strong of a visual filmmaker he was capable of being and he had a great dp on this too i watched the special feature on on him working with his his dp as well and there's some cool things um that they did um together to make those visuals but i mean he obviously had the ideas the look of this thing in his head and uh on paper too they this was very heavily storyboarded and he said you know the final film is essentially the storyboards, you know, (laughs) captured on film. So, uh, which, you know, is great. And you can see there's a, there's a, there's a assuredness and sort of a, a purpose to the shots. And so you can tell that they were very well planned out. Oh yeah. That's what I was talking about. Like all the shots of like, they all, you don't like to say they look like hero shots, you know, of him with the ax, but they just have that kind of feel to him. It's like, Oh, you totally like, that was perfectly like framed up and to look yeah cool in a way even though it's like murder but <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, when, it's just it's very well thought out the, yeah, the shots and exactly it's very and there's another part in this um scene that's very important too is that when he he kills uh march fenton turns completely away mm-hmm. doesn't watch adam does adam flinches for a second and then like it's like he can't take his eyes off of it yeah so that's a very important difference that i also don't really know if that is true yeah again considering what fenton becomes later (laughs) like did adam just maybe i know it's it's very it's very interesting did adam just not did adam just not see him maybe he was looking i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) now uh, this is you know this is where the real heavy stuff with fenton comes in about you know with the conflict and essentially what is what amounts to abuse it yeah. begins happening. Dad says to Fenton, you don't have any faith. Uh, that's why you can't see the truth. But we're going to fix that. And he makes him dig a hole. Well, because Fenton kept kept going to 
Adam and saying like we need to get away from dad mm-hmm. we need to leave what he's doing is wrong he doesn't doesn't believe at all yeah. and Adam kind of narks on him I think yeah I think so <laughs> I think so and dad says that the angel told him something about Fenton that's too right. that's right it says <laughs> he said he there's there's that line you know and, and this actually is in the, I remember this line from the trailer it says only demons need to fear me you're not a demon are you and Fenton says something like, no, I don't think so. And, and it's like, well, the angel told me you were. And that is interesting because I think that, first of all, it gives sort of stakes to this. But there's also, you see a little bit, the way Paxton plays this is so delicate. Because, I mean, it's like, even if you're a demon, you're still my son. Yeah. yeah the angel told him that Fenton was a demon, but he's not going to kill Fenton. Right. Well, I, he's, he's not a, on his list. He's gonna. He's not on his list, though. Not yet. And the thing is, as we find out at the end, Adam refuses to kill him too because he wasn't on his list yet until he gets put on because the list. Because he's not a killer. Because he's not a killer. He's not a killer. He yeah. kills demons. Yeah. So because it would <laughs> be it would be it would be it would be a bad thing if I killed him before he was on my list. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> You know, but at the same time, you see, you know, these these horrible people, if they really are horrible people, you know, if Edward March really did what he did, and if the nurse really did what she did, Cynthia, she really did what she did, you're kind of like, there's a little bit of a Dexter quality to it, you know, where you're, yeah. where you're a little <laughs> bit like, well, they're getting rid of bad people, you know, it's like people that we're all kind of like. I wouldn't mind if, <laughs> if 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 there were fewer <laughs> pedophiles in the world, you know. Yeah, I, I, you might I get mean, rid of a child rapist. That's cool, you know. But at the same time, that's that whole idea of vigilante justice. Is this my role? It is. Is it my job that's, to decide? Yeah, that's, that's another perspective yeah. to look at this movie from. <laughs> yeah, I mean that almost pulls us back to Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it? Yeah. Is it their job? To kill Freddy, hmm? you know. I mean, these are those are some of the complications <laughs> of that of those stories too. Again, I, what we went into this, you said I don't think there's that much deep to talk about with frailty, <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I don't know because uh, you, you're breaking up all these deep points in this whole thing. It's like, come on. Sometimes, sometimes that doesn't happen until we start talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like something that happens in our conversations where I'm like, oh, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just didn't. I wasn't thinking about. I've seen this movie so many times. I, I don't know. I guess I hadn't. I thought I knew it more than I did, and I just hadn't thought about it as much. Yeah, <laughs> I really should it's have. Really, apparently, it's really fun. <laughs> it's really fun to bounce the ideas off each other and see where they fall, yeah. you know, and and go deeper into them. It's really cool. Um, Most of the time, this is just stuff I'm thinking of, like just now. <laughs> right. I know. I know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> That's kind of part of the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when he forces him to dig the hole, you know, and he's the last word he says to him is "pray," and Adam starts saying, "I dug that hole." But I did not pray. You know, I hated God. I despised him. What dad was doing was wrong and nothing would change my mind. And this line, when I finished, that hole was as dark and deep as my hatred for dad's God. That is such a good line. (laughs) But the thing is. (laughs) But how is Adam saying that? But it's narrated from Adam's perspective. I know. (laughs) And that's the thing. And that's the thing about it. Because. How do we know if Fenton really is thinking that? We don't. Yeah. We don't know. Or has Adam just created him as this horrible person in his mind? That's right. And so if 
Fenton gets put on his list in the end, is it just because of this sort of deep-seated, you know, resentment of his brother Mm -hmm. for what he did to his dad that he idolized? And he really does idolize his dad. And that's going to come back in uh, A Star is Born. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm making cry already. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's basically having Fenton uh, dig a murder basement. Yeah, murder basement. They put the <laughs> shed over the top of it. There's a yep. great line here, though, where it says, uh, where uh, dad says, you boys did good, especially you, Fenton. And Fenton says, no, I did as I was told. Yeah. And again, just like putting him through, yeah, what he puts Fenton through is basically abuse to me but yeah oh totally it's uh, abuse. He's still, it's absolutely abuse but he's still when he um when he comes back in and he's trying he sees him trying to eat and he hurt his hands because he didn't wear gloves he's like genuinely concerned like oh, of course yeah. you didn't wear gloves and what you're it's just the the way that he can uh, justify what he's doing I know. is it's, it's uh, almost more disturbing yeah you know <laughs> because uh. you can see we saw before in those early scenes that he was that person, that caring father, mm-hmm. like that would probably have never done this to his sons, but just this, this, whatever is going on in his mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. I think because it's Bill Paxton too. Cause yeah, he's just I know. so beloved. Just like watching, likeable. watching him do it is like, uh, I can't watch you do this, Bill Paxton. We love you too much. <laughs> well, I mean, if Bill Paxton, even as, uh, you know, the character he played in, like aliens where he's just kind of whiny the whole time (laughs) game over man game over and we still love him in that movie because we do you know Mm -hmm. um and i think you know like in true lies the one of my favorite performances is the character he plays in true lies i think he's so freaking funny um yeah but he's a he's a complete tool you know he's just Mm -hmm. this asshole um but you still love him but you still love him even in those roles where he's just sort of like despicable or just or if not despicable just kind of unlikable you still like him because he just projects that i i think is you can tell that you know this seems like he was he just projects a goodness i guess he does uh and i i think that's really something and you know i haven't always appreciated bill paxton as much as i do now i have to say Mm -hmm. um because Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. I mean, like, I remember first seeing Twister, and I was kind of like, eh. But that's really kind of a weird role for him, if I'm being honest. he I like him in it fine, but but I love him in the movies where he's, like, honestly, in the James Cameron movies, the ones where he's playing characters that are kind of over the top are the ones that... And, I, you know, my actually, yeah. my favorite performance of him is Severin in Near Dark. Yeah, uh, sure. And, you know, I also like him a lot in Nightcrawler. Yeah. It's just sort of, you know, these these characters that are not likable, but you're still drawn to. And I think that is put a little bit into uh, Dad in this movie. Just another thing about Bill Paxton and other actors like him. I can't really think of anything right now, anyone right now. But it's just people didn't really start uh, that I saw until after he passed away. Yeah. It's like people didn't start like looking back and being like, oh, yeah, like. He was just, he was always good. There was never any bad stories. He was universally beloved, it seems, by everyone that he worked yeah. with. Like, we need to appreciate the people that are like that now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think even um, actor, some actors that are still alive but have s- sort of had a renaissance. You know, someone mm-hmm. like Keanu Reeves. I, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think people have not really appreciated his 
abilities as an actor in sort of that prime, quote unquote, his prime, you know, but, you know, sort of in his renaissance here, people are like, he is an interesting Nick Cage, too, I think. You know, he's an interesting Mm -hmm. actor. He's got he's doing different kinds of things and he's fascinating and seems like a good guy. You know, yeah. not not being, it's, you know. It's just cool to see that now people are appreciating the good guys now rather than, you know, after they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds horrible to say. You know, like the, the uh, no, love for I Brendan Fraser. True. Like, come oh, on. Oh, Fraser is a good you know? example. Another one like, that sort of, on. we're sort of finally sort of seeing a little bit of him yeah. coming back a little bit. I hope he's it's getting get, some of those give opportunities. Them what they, you know? I know. It's good to give them what they deserve now because they deserve it for being well I think they were good guys you know in in their in their original runs they were kind of seen maybe as uh, as far as I mean the camera loves all of these guys mm-hmm. you know they're um, in every case but I think sometimes their acting was criticized as being I guess wooden or not yeah. not being they're they're not you know character they actors. weren't in like oscar baiting right movies. right they weren't um they weren't dustin hoffman or robert de niro right. type actors they were john wayne and uh sterling hayden actors okay you yeah. know what i mean yeah. by that you know they're yeah. they're they're presences they're they're um they're people who who um and i think there's more range to most of these guys that, that we're talking yeah. about yeah. than 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 you know, John John Wayne or Sterling beforehand. Hayden, but you know that's kind of how they were seen at the time. You know, yeah. um, whereas you know, I think I think what we have now, you know, with especially you know Keanu, you have all of these sort of legacy sequels that he's appearing in. You know, like the Bill and Ted movie and, mm-hmm. and the Matrix, yeah. and he had a big. You know, John Wick has obviously been a big boon to his career, but uh, it, it's sort of this oh. You should watch those movies. Yeah, man. he's great. Hey, I haven't seen a John Wick movie yet. <laughs> we were we were having the confessional time, you know. I haven't seen any Fast and Furious movies. I haven't seen any John Wick movies. I haven't seen any Blade movies. Yes, you can uh, come after me with your pitchforks now. Um, I haven't seen the Battle Royale movies, though. I am going to fix that because uh, I just bought that one. Um, so anyway. But we're getting off topic a little bit, but I think that's key to, you know, appreciating an actor like Paxton. And I think Paxton really, in a movie like this, shows a great deal of range, a great deal Mm -hmm. more than he's often given credit for. But, you know, he tries to get Fenton to kill the next demon. Um he doesn't. He like runs out of the place well, and tells the sheriff. All that is uh, oh, is yeah. really uh, good stuff. I mean, obviously you have the unbelief, the kid not being believed, of course. But then, but the sheriff is a little bit like, but why would he make up a story like that? You know, there's a little bit of. I don't. I don't time. see that though. <laughs> but the fact that he even comes home and even brings it up, you know, is like uh. it's like there's just got this little tiny sliver of. That's a crazy story to just yeah. make up, you know. Which adults, if uh, a kid ever comes to you with a story like that, yeah. maybe don't just immediately think that they're like right. Exactly. Well, then there's that, that that whole you know. I'll just go down in the murder basement with you. Yeah. To prove that you're lying. Well, he does say, you know, maybe we should check <laughs> the shed just to quiet him down. I mean, so I mean, which wow. gives me the sense that again, <clears throat> that maybe there's something in the back of the sheriff's head that's saying maybe. 
Maybe. I, I'm maybe I'm, I'm really, really doubtful, but there's a suspicion. There's enough suspicion there, I think. It's not, to me, it's, I know you said you didn't see it, but to me, there's less, there's, it's not quite the, oh, get away from me, stupid kid, you know, kind of thing going on here. It's a little tiny bit of intrigue by on the part of the sheriff. Or I'll do this to shut you up. Yeah, there's a sense of that, too. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Nothing. I was just going to say what happens next. Oh, okay. Uh, they kill the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's... Sheriff goes into the murder basement, and what do you know? The dad murders him. The dad murders him. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't... It's almost like, did he have to? There's nothing down there. As I, I know. It's it's like, the body's why? Were, the body was gone. I mean, did quote-unquote <laughs> yeah. God tell him that he had to take care of this guy? But then he's so hung up about it. He said that... Yeah, he said that nobody else was at the office when Fenton told yeah. the story. So nobody else heard it. Yeah. Nobody else suspected. To me, he kills the sheriff for no reason. And then blames it on Fenton and because Fenton he Fenton. made him murder a person. Because he's like, no, I had to protect our mission. It's like, well, your mission really wasn't in danger that I can see. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've never <laughs> killed a man before. You made me commit murder. That's yeah. my really bad Bill Paxton impression <laughs> of this scene. Um, and he it says it's because you have no faith. So I'm going to torture you. Going to torture you to make yeah. you get that faith back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which makes me wonder too. Also, like, were they even much of a religious family before? I don't know. This? I, I there's no indication. There's no of indication that. that there is. There isn't. A, yeah, I totally agree. I don't. There's no. There's nothing like in the house that would indicate. Yeah. Uh, you don't see like stacks of Bibles. You don't see crosses. You don't see icons or pictures on the walls or anything i mean it's hard to say that's something i just thought of too because like there's no there's no indication of is this fenton having lost his faith because of what he's seeing happening to his dad or are they just not a religious family to begin with like he didn't have any faith. however there is the whole this just came out of nowhere there is the whole start of the thing with you know singing i've got the joy 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 down in my heart that's true which makes me think that you know they're Sunday school go- goers and yeah. you know this is um, you know the buckle of the Bible belt as they say true so maybe it's just kind of assumed or it could be just like a, th- a thing you do just because that's part of the community you know going mm-hmm. going to church and maybe they're not as in, in, I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't like talking about religion because I don't know what I'm talking about sometimes <laughs> no one entirely does <laughs> so, um, <laughs> or if, it's, if it's just something you do because you feel like you have to every sunday and it's like uh-huh. other people there's i know there's people like that right of course there are. and maybe they're just they're not as believers yeah oh absolutely of course maybe there they're are. maybe it's a family like that yeah I, I absolutely yeah i know plenty of people uh, like that so and have known uh plenty of people who's like we go to church because that's just what we've always done um it, but, you know, when he gets Fenton, locks Fenton, nails Fenton, I should say, into the cellar, you know, says, pray for a vision. Adam gives him a cup of water a day. Yes. I mean, it's just this torture of this kid locked down in the cellar. And then he comes in and says, has God spoken to you yet? And his answer, there is no God. God, um, yeah. <laughs> And then he goes on to say, it, it felt like weeks uh, I don't know. He says, I don't know how long I was down there. It felt like weeks. Uh, and then he says, I finally saw God and understood my destiny. But we don't see what he sees. We don't know what. And again, 
This is Adam telling the story. <laughs> yep. So uh, it's very And it could just be hallucination again from <laughs> malnutrition. You think? <laughs> and <laughs> Right. So the next, uh, so he's brought out and he's given food and he's, he says, you know, I'm, I'm ready to come with you. I'm ready to fulfill my destiny. So dad takes him. Was he just like hatching a plan while he was down there? I think so. You think so? Yeah. And so he comes with, uh, he goes, they go to get Brad White from Dallas. That guy seems like a real asshole uh, for sure. <laughs> you know, right. uh, I, I, I get that. But again, it brings up that question is that's not our job. You know, it's not my job to uh, take care of of these people that I think are assholes. I mean, we don't know anything about this guy, except he apparently yells at probably and is probably more to uh, whoever he's screaming at inside the house. Right. Yeah. Um, And is murder the appropriate punishment for a person like that? You know? Yeah. But we don't know what his quote unquote sins are, you know, not the extent of his sins. We don't know the extent. Just from what we see. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's just an asshole. Yeah. So that so this is the big climax of this whole relationship, right? Um yes. Adam or sorry, Adam. Uh, <laughs> uh Fenton, young Fenton has Otis in hand and he's going to kill Brad White from Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes to swing the axe and he plants it right in dad's chest. Uh Damn. that's his destiny that he believes he is to fulfill he it is his destiny to end all this but as it turns out this is fenton's first murder because <laughs> fenton <Yep>. becomes <laughs> a serial killer technically they both do <laughs> technically they both do but you know the thing is you know and you see that in patterns of abuse and things like that you know patterns of serial killers of being abused by uh, and uh, mm-hmm. you know they don't show him like hurting animals or anything like that but those are some of the indicators right so it's kind of like is this movie the making of a serial killer is this movie <laughs> it uh, is so many things it's yeah. so many things. I that's one of the things I love about it. <laughs> but then that's so that's a twist. That's that's and a then twist. The next then the next thing is a bit of a twist too. Adam or not really a twist, but like a whoa. <laughs> Adam takes the axe out of dad's chest and kills Brad with it. Hello. Um <laughs> like okay, wow. And then, you know, when they're they're, they're burying Yes, when they're burying they're the body. Them, I love this part. They were burying both of them in the rose garden, <laughs> so, right? Adam, if you destroy me, <laughs> promise you'll bury me here. I promise to God I'll bury you here. <laughs> so there's so many, uh-huh. so much meaning in those two lines. I know. Uh-huh. Oh, man. And then we go back to Powers and he's like, wait a minute. What'd you just say? Because yeah. <laughs> that didn't really make sense. And that's when it's revealed that he's really Adam. Well, it does make sense if the man before you is Adam Meeks. Did not see that coming, I don't think, the first time. I didn't see it coming. I think I was confused. Honestly, yeah. I was like, wait, what, what, what? I mean, because it was just like that much of a turn and, and I, yeah. I, I was, oh, so he's the younger brother. 
um, <laughs> you know, it was just sort of gobsmacked <laughs> by that moment. And it's not even the end of the movie. It keeps going. Yeah. There's way more yeah. twists coming up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One is the confrontation here with Doyle. Yes, I love this so because much. Because Doyle was on Adam's list. Doyle was on Adam's <laughs> list. That's right. And he touches him and it reveals that he killed his mother in cold love, blood. Love this. Mm, love the sideburns. The si- the yeah. Space. <laughs> right? Very nice. Hot. Very nice. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> Doyle, is a, and he asks him, how did you know? It's like, you are on my list. Uh, I love the way Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> you know, sinister talking Matthew McConaughey is just amazing. You are on He's my good. list. Um, <laughs> what he really lets that Texas accent fly. I love that. That drawl, baby. Then, yeah. then there's that beautiful shot of Otis laying there in the Ivy Mm -hmm. again. It's just like one of those iconic shot moments. And he just sort of picks it up out of there. Oh man. It's, it's, it's it's great. (laughs) And when they're looking around the Rose garden before, there was like all these other bodies Uh says, wait a minute. There's only six bodies. This is where I, yeah, this is where I got kind of confused. I think the first couple of times I saw it, I I don't think I really got that. They were both serial killers. I didn't either. Adam continued on with the whole, God's, God's hand, hand thing, you know, yeah. uh, actually killing demons. Quote unquote demons or and this is where his, the Rose Garden is where Adam's demons are buried. Fenton became just a flat out serial killer. Who buried people in his <laughs> who basement. Who bodies in his basement. Yeah. And he, <laughs> Which makes sense. Yeah. Goes along with like the murder basement from like when they were kids, you know, yeah. where he spent time. <laughs> And what what confused me about this is uh, too is the whole you know the demon thing you know was okay from my sort of I guess theological upbringing demons can't disguise themselves as humans so essentially my thought is you know f- watching this is like no he's not killing actual demons he's just killing bad people yeah. you know he's killing okay. people who are who have done these horrible acts. How he knows that is, you know, up for debate up, in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> up for debate. That's, that's the best way to put it. And then, and then, you know, going to, you know, doing the whole raid in on, on Fenton's house. And they he's got the, all the newspaper clippings on the wall and the, and you know, it's like, Hey, we found a, uh, we found a body in a basement. And this is what Fenton, says, no, not Fenton. And they hold up, you know, they find uh, Doyle's badge down his, there. His and, name was on the list, which yeah. I think Adam put that there. I think so, too. And crossed. Well, I, I, I think that's, Ad, yeah, it's Adam put his list there, you know, yeah. as a way to pull these people off his track. They're yeah. both serial killers, but Adam is kind of like, is. Adam's uh, smarter. Implicated. He's implicating <laughs> Everyone his brother. Everyone in his. His brother in his, in his own. On his list. Yeah. Because I think. I think it's Fenton's, mm-hmm. isn't it? Fenton's victims, the ones they're looking for. They're not, they haven't yeah. been looking for Adam's. Right. 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 And so the thing is, Adam, it's like, does he have, is, is he going to have people added to his list? I can only right. assume so. Seems at the end that he's going to keep going. Yeah, I think so too. And then the, the detective, you know, comes in to the sheriff's office downtown and we see the well, secretary. For, no. Go ahead. Well, no, first they, they're um the the detective that was there with Doyle that yes. met Adam for like a minute or so yeah. saw him in his office 
cannot remember it's, it's just a what blur. he looked it's like. I looked right at him, but it's, it's just, a, just blur. a blur. And then it says, well, we got the surveillance tapes. We got you, you fucker. They put in the surveillance tape. Oh. Which both of those things could be coincidences. Yes, yeah. if you only see a person for a minute or so, you're not going to remember their face. Right. And yeah, there could be glitchy stuff with the security camera that's make it glitch out right where you need to see. Yeah. But he says <laughs> this guy's face. But, but then he says they're all like that. He says all of, all the tapes all were, the tapes are like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Did he just get lucky? Are they just a bunch of bad tapes? <laughs> or was it the thing that he said earlier as as Fenton that, you know, God would look out for them and nobody would remember them and not even a camera would... could capture them. Yeah. Yeah, but then when he shows up, yes, then there's like twist number seventy five. Yeah, he shows up when and he sees the secretary <laughs> and it's the secretary from the beginning. Yes. Which, you know, you gotta have a good memory to remember that the first time though. That's why I was yeah. like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And then, is the sheriff here? Oh, yeah. And he comes out. And who is it? <laughs> it's Adam, Adam Meeks. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, so he comes out. And that conversation, and then another little twist of a moment, he shakes the detective's hand and says, I love that. You're a good man, Agent Hall. I, I love that. That is one of my favorite <laughs> moments of the movie. And then, and then the secretary comes out. She's pregnant. And they start being mm. affectionate, and 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 it's his wife. And then she says, "Well, praise God!" And you just know yes. that she's in on this whole thing and like a partner <laughs> with him through all of this. And it's just <laughs> so. This movie has so much to say about you know like religious fanaticism and perspectives, and you know which I always I find fascinating. I really I always have. I I um I think that's why I've always been interested in you know like movies about cults and um like jim jones stuff and <laughs> and before I, I serial killers i've true crime stuff i find interesting too but if there's a true crime documentary on a cult i'm gonna watch it <laughs> oh yeah and if there's a serial killer and a cult involved hell yeah, yeah. you know like that yeah. that sons of sam <laughs> thing i found that really interesting even though i think a lot of it's bullshit um anyway <laughs> i found that an interest to be an interesting um documentary <laughs> So anyway, this movie, again, a mind fuck. It really messes with your head because it could be any number of explanations. And it all... (laughs) I'm just thinking about them now. Like I'm pissed off. It's another thing where I'm pissed off that I don't know the real answer, but that's also what makes this movie interesting and fun. It makes it so much more special because of that. I think if there was a cut and dried answer, it would just be like, okay, it's fine. No, yeah. hey, twists revealed everything, you know. The twists aren't, uh, I don't know, the twists are done in a way to further any one of the perspectives. Yeah. You know, they're they're not done in a way to prove or disprove any of them. It's just like, it's could be any, I don't know, I mean, you know, it could be any of them. Because, I mean. And that, that's, that's a smart way to do it. Yeah, I mean, because Adam could know, he's a police officer, he could know about Doyle killing his mother because he's an investigator and he figured it out. Or he could have been told by an angel or Mm -hmm. this angel could be actually a demon or uh, it, (laughs) it could be all these things we've talked about throughout the course of this conversation i just yeah that makes this movie when he so shakes cool. the guy's hand he could just be saying that line like oh you're a good man or it could be when he shakes his hand he touched him and didn't see any sins right. and so <laughs> love it 
It's so fascinating. It's such a, a yeah. And I've always liked this movie, but I think, you know, talking talking about it just kind of makes me go. It, it's there's really cool, interesting things going on here. Me too. Same. Yeah. Always been a fan of this one, but yeah, when we get to discuss it and there's some stuff I had never even thought of before yeah. today. And it's that makes it even more special. And it's become kind of one of a kind of a gem. You know, it's kind of one that uh-huh. people don't talk about a lot anymore. But whenever you bring it up, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah that movie's is great. awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool now, this is really a seismic shift here <laughs> in conversation uh, to hey. your movie, um, which, you know, I love it when we get to do that. That's why I was excited about this episode. But hey. Yeah, this is going back to what we were doing like in the beginning. Hey. It's like Superman and mask. Really? However, however, <laughs> I can already see. There are certain things. You have a kid who idolizes a younger brother who idolizes his dad, <laughs> an older brother who thinks he's no. an asshole. You have, well, you find out the real story at the end. Though. I know. But you know what I mean? The, and, you know, so there is the brother dynamic in this movie there with with the, yeah, the, yeah, totally. the absent father in this case because um, he's gone by the time this movie takes place. So it's just like that very interesting that they do connect even even though they're so <laughs> the different slightest way <laughs> yes they're so different yeah so like i said before this episode kind of came out of me um i hadn't seen a star is born since like uh, a couple of years ago it only came out in 2018 yeah. but i was a little bit late to the party um absolutely loved it but didn't want to watch it again because uh it wrecked me <laughs> completely <laughs> and i was a crying mess at the end yeah. but i had bought it like um uh, black friday for like six bucks or whatever and so uh, a little while ago I, was, I wanted to rewatch it having not seen it in years and i became obsessed i knew it was good i loved it the first time but i just there was so much that i i really wanted to get in this is just an absolutely genius like <laughs> debut to me really because it's it's really kind of perfect and the fact that it comes from bradley cooper like from what i how i've seen him in the stuff that i in the stuff that i've seen him in like it just doesn't feel like him and it's the no. the emotion the the talent that he mm-hmm. d- displays um lady gaga mm-hmm. of course is fantastic this movie just really has everything and it's still makes me uh, a crying mess at the end because I just watched it again yesterday. Even like watching it and like pausing every once in a while to take notes, I was still crying at the exact same beats yeah. <laughs> that I always did because that's what, it, this is so good at um, getting that relationship across. And um, this is the only version of A Star Wars Born that I have seen. I have yeah. not seen any of the other ones. Um, I'm not so sure that I want to. I probably will because I'm a complete. Some of the but... others are good. I think that um, I believe I've seen the version directed by William Wellman, who also directed my favorite gangster, one of my favorite gangster movies, The Public Enemy. Yeah. He directed the 1937 version with stars Frederick March and mm-hmm. Janet Gaynor. I think I've seen that one, and I'm positive that I've seen the 1954 version directed by George Cukor, which is probably the most famous version before this one. What's interesting about this is it's the same story. You got the same 12 notes, and it just depends on how you tell them. <laughs> how you see them. Well, that's also kind of a precursor to like probably 
probably how I'm going to talk about this movie too, like because because I didn't know the story. Uh-huh. Apparently, it's the same kind of story in every every version. I didn't know what was coming. So, well, the thing <laughs> just, is, I think that that's another thing. I think that's why uh, Sam Elliott's line there. You have the same twelve notes in the octave, and then it just starts mm-hmm. over, and it just depends on. It's the same story over and over, and it depends on how you use them. I love the line. You know, he loved the way he you told yeah. yours. I think that is that is the strength of this, and I think that is. Um, but I think that theme is just sort of meta true of this story. You know, this is the That's this true. is the yeah. fourth version of A Star Is Born. For it to continue to be a compelling story, uh, even though it hits pretty much the same basic. 12 notes so to speak mm-hmm. it's uh the way it does it is unique and really special yeah i haven't really taken any notes until the scene where they're in the parking lot so uh, oh, you're gonna okay. have to kind of get the ball <laughs> rolling this. here because i got this well just first of all like what i was saying about um this just being totally different from what I know of Bradley Cooper. I've always, I've always seen him in like these comedic, like hangover. kind of the one, the one that I think of them. I haven't seen the hangover. Oh. The one I think of the most, he was on um, Nip Tuck. Oh, was he, he was like, yeah, where he was just like this obnoxious, like Hollywood actor. And he's just like, he's so over the top, like big old smile on his face the whole time. And that that's how I've seen him. And that's, you know, and his, obviously his, his voice is different. <laughs> very, very different. Yeah. He was going for a Sam Elliott thing. It's just not, not that I don't, I didn't think that he had it in him, but just yeah. not ever having seen that side before. Well, that's, it's the same thing as like when you see a comedic actor, you know, play a dramatic role. Yeah. Know? I've said this before. It's always got a little bit more truth to it to me because it's just, it's so unexpected. Have you not seen uh, Silver Linings Playbook? I didn't like that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought that was the, that was the movie where I, was, when I don't like it either because I actually really love the book. But um, I got to say, you know, Silver Linings Playbook was the first time I saw Bradley Cooper and went, oh, okay. I can. He's doing something that I didn't expect him to be able to do. Because you know, I had seen The Hangover, only the first one. I've never seen any of the sequels, and he has a small part that's very funny in this movie called The Rocker. And Bradley Cooper plays one of uh, his former bandmates. And so when he comes back later as sort of this guy with a British accent that didn't have a British accent at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> it's re- it's hilarious. I mean, he just has yeah. this great um but then when I saw this, I was like, "Holy shit." Yeah. This guy has really got ability. I like I yeah. I know and I've seen Nightmare Alley and I think his performance in Stars Born is is stronger in my opinion. I think what he's doing here is um and for this to for him to be directing at the same time as giving yeah, this right. brilliant performance it's, is incredible. He's giving a brilliant performance. Yeah. He's directing. He fucking learned how to sing and play the guitar yeah. for this, and he's fantastic at all of yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I see a little bit of a line to. I mean, another movie that is I, it's sort of fallen off people's discussion radar is Crazy Heart, the movie that Jeff Bridges won his acting Oscar for. Heard of it, but I've never it's, seen it. It's good. Again, I think uh, it. It mellows out the ending <laughs> from the book, uh, you know, which happens. But I see it sort of a similarity, I guess, between what Bridges does in Crazy Heart and what Bradley Cooper does here. I think this performance is really, really something. 
it's uh, I, I'm as much as as much as I'm drawn to Gaga too. I think what she's doing yeah, is God, brilliant. Yeah. I think Bradley Cooper maybe didn't get as much buzz about the performance because he's Bradley Cooper, you know. Sure. <laughs> um, whereas like maybe. whereas Lady Gaga was like she can act. I mean, we knew that mm-hmm. from a few things before that, but yeah, not only can she act, she, she can blow the doors off this place. Um, yeah. with her performance like this. She's, I saw one um, review that's like, she can play from what we, her persona in this movie is so different than her like real life yes. persona mm-hmm. as a as a performer. Mm-hmm. So she has that ability to be both, you know, a regular person like she is. She's very stripped down in this movie with the brown hair and less makeup, you know, not like we're used to seeing her. But then she's also like an amazing singer. Yeah. So she can be like she has that line between like being playing like a regular person that you can relate to yeah. <laughs> and also being immensely talented and being able to tap into both of those and probably things that she's struggled with, you know, in her real life from both of those. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I lo- I've always loved her um, acting, mm-hmm. uh, which I you haven't really seen much. She was she was in my favorite season of American Horror Story Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved her in that. I think she was also in Roanoke, but I didn't watch that one. Oh, okay. So uh, apparently she was in uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. I think she had a small part. Yeah, I mean, I think the I only don't ones, remember that I movie. think her really only big, was she in, says she was in Machete Kills. Again, I don't know if that was a big thing. Um, Muppets Most Wanted, I imagine that was a cameo. <laughs> I imagine that's a cameo. So I think the only ones that where she's she really. She was a big part of Hotel. Okay. I mean, besides Hotel, but I mean, as far as film goes, I think the only movies that she's really done that are big roles for her are Stars Born and House of Gucci, which mm-hmm. just came out. To have such a lead performance in this, not only does she have a lead performance, she's playing so against what we expect for her. We sort of see her yeah. as supremely confident kind of person, you know, as a performer. As she just sort of burst mm-hmm. out of the gate. It was like all of a sudden it was like Lady Gaga was just freaking everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, very sexual and very, um, you know, sort of Madonna turned up to the nth <laughs> degree, you know, and things like the meat dress and coming out of the... Yeah. <laughs> coming out of the egg and all those things. Um, There's sort of like, at first, it was sort of like these weird sort of stunt things. She doesn't do that as much anymore. But but then she backed it up with real ability and talent. I don't know if Madonna really has that. Um, <laughs> say, to, to be honest, I, I don't really know uh, Lady Gaga's music. <laughs> I just don't listen to... I, I'm one of those people that listens to the same shit I listened to in high school because I have no range. But <laughs> um, I just kind of... I was... I loved her as a person, mm-hmm. like before this. And this is where I really kind of fell in love with her. It was in this movie. And I liked, um, there's something I watched in the behind the scenes, which is a really sweet moment that I think is perfect for um, looking at the chemistry that she's able to have with Bradley Cooper. Unlike there, it was like a behind the scenes footage of her like last day of filming or whatever. And she was talking about, um, she was giving, you know, the little actors, they give their speeches, you know, when everyone's like saying it's a wrap on Lady Gaga. And she was telling the story about, um, you know, when she was wanted to be, she could, that she connected with the character so much because it was like, that was what she went through too, like mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to give her a chance uh, with her music. And then she also wanted to be an actor uh, for a long time too. And so she was just thanking Bradley Cooper for, you know, giving her the chance you know to do that again it was just a really sweet yeah. thing because they they really collaborated a lot on this i mean 
Gaga and Cooper like co-wrote like almost all of the original songs mm-hmm. in here. And you wouldn't think, again, from, like, knowing who they are separately, you wouldn't think to put the two of them together in a movie. Ugh. But they're just, they're perfect. And I think... And you believe it. Yeah, I think they're... Some of the dialogue rings really true to me as something that Gaga likely heard as she was coming up. You know, the... exactly. The, your nose is too big. You don't have the right look. Yeah. thing which just makes me so angry about the state of a state of of popular music you know um so anyway we what just actually we're talking <laughs> well, okay. about these performances is great is not a bad yeah. way to go to be honest but well a big thing that i love about the way that this movie is done is that it is about like two eventually two big movie stars and yet the scope of this movie is still so small yeah i noticed that so much more it's this time. so it is so much more intimate it's like a series of like these important moments and there it you do get a sense of the passage of time and the way that their careers are like building up but like whenever there's like a big performance or whatever you don't even really see there's a couple of shots you like you don't really see the crowd. No. It's all about them. Yeah. It keeps it keeps the focus on the performance on the performers. Yeah. And um I know I just I really liked that because it's ultimately it is a story about the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um and I just liked I thought that was a good way to go about it. It was like not being so big and showing that side of like what they're doing in the music industry because we know all that stuff we've seen it before we want to see the character stuff between the two of them so like whenever they're on stage one of my notes is just lens flares because yeah (laughs) i love the lens flares in this movie but it kind of it serves a purpose of like blocking out everything else so you're only focusing on them because you can barely even see the crowd in a lot of those scenes where they're performing on Mm -hmm. stage they only they only show like how big it is a couple of times right you know, it's funny. And I, I really liked that approach. Yeah, that's funny because the first time I watched this movie, I thought, wow, this is quite a big movie for a first time director because, I mean, you have all these crowd scenes, you've got, you know, different locations, you get all this and that. Then I watched it this time. I was like, they, it, they're almost cheating the crowd. You're almost like, mm-hmm. did they really have yeah. that many people in the room? I'm not really the sure. The one at the beginning, <laughs> the, the, yeah. Shot at the beginning when it's just like um, just him doing. I love that song too. That the one he sings right at the beginning. Yeah. That was like an actual concert that was going on. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm remembering the story wrong, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm pretty sure like that was like an actual concert that was going on. They were they just kind of like hopped on and filmed that scene. Yeah, yeah, I believe I think that, that happened. And another it happened in another one too. I mean, some of the stuff where they show like the music festivals and stuff like that, where they're on the open air stages and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But every time it's like a handheld camera is just on them, you know, and it and yeah. it's and it doesn't cut very much, you know. It, you don't see really even the other band members, mm-hmm. you know. It's just them, and it's like it's at first is it's almost strange because we're so used to you know like the way Almost Famous is shot. You get every band member. Yes, it's mostly from their perspective, but you still get, you know, a little bit of audience interaction. You get, you know, an idea of how their crowds are interacting with them and stuff like that. Because, But that movie's also about being a fan. This movie's yeah. not really at all about being a fan. I mean, she knows who he is, but it, there's not a sense of her ever, like, fangirling out toward him. 
Which is a big part of, like, I think their connection. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I do, I like the, at the beginning, I don't know, I think it's just a great introduction for both of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shows him on stage. The thing about, I love about Cooper's performance, too, is um, he always has his head down. Yep. You kind of get, you get a, a sense of, it's like he's been doing this so long, like the fame, uh, he's hiding from it. Yeah. Through the whole movie. He's, you hardly ever see like him, his full face. He's always got his head down. And then in this opening scene, we see him, you know, doing a great show. And then he gets into the car with his driver. He's coughing. He's obviously like, you know, drinking and looking for a bar or whatever. And it's just, you know, like, oh, like this is a tortured character. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and then you see that shot where they pull up to the to the bar there, and, so and then it's like this rainbow marquee, and there are all these nooses on it, and that's like, yeah, I, I didn't really notice it's that the first time. In through. the background, and I watched yeah. it this time. I was like, I, and I was like, I'm gonna watch for that. I'm gonna see if there are how many sort of references there are to suicide throughout this movie. I did, I sort of lost track. Right, it's but right it's like at the beginning. right at the beginning. And it doesn't it doesn't really it's not a like continuing motif that I saw, but no. it was just like, oh boy, there's a self-destruction kind of theme going on here. Mm. And then we have we're introduced to Lady Gaga's alley um I like that scene for breaking, breaking up in up the bathroom. With yeah, the guy right. in the bathroom. She's like Fucking a men. she's like ah. a server at a at yeah. a hike. It looks like a fancy kind of place that she's kind of mm-hmm. swanky place she works at, but she's not particularly treated well. A huge kitchen yeah. and everything, so it must be like yeah. you know one of those places, swanky hotel or something. Yeah. Like that. And then I love um, I love a good title card. I love the way that the the title of the movie appears on the screen and she's like walking down that alley singing and like very slowly comes uh-huh. up as a star is born. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I was just like, that really stuck with me. And you know, one of the things that I think is always true of star is born movies is it's really half a title because yes, you have stars born in the female singer. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have the other half of that, which is another is dying. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Okay, because because Bradley Cooper's star uh, is is fading, is dying. Yeah, yeah. he's he's. Uh, I mean, then of course there's the literal element of that, of course. But but you know there is sort of that the fading star thing happening. You know, as she is rising, he is falling, and mm-hmm. it's uh, the it's sort of part of what makes this version so compelling in every single one of its forms uh maybe including the barbara streisand one i'm not sure i haven't seen it um so (laughs) but those other versions is very you know that's a big part of it i mean james mason is you know drinking himself to death while while judy garland is becoming the biggest star on the planet you know that's so and, and that's the story you know that's the basic stories it's just how it's told right and i love that they're they're falling in love kind of thing is very very natural yeah at the way place they have a connection with music um you know he stops at a bar doesn't know it's a drag bar but he's so he's like doesn't give a shit i love, I love that. that too the way he handles it just wait a minute is this is, is this a drag bar is this a drag bar he's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like all right and i it's just like the part the part where she sings uh, i don't know if i say this right La Vie en Rose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Um, I, I when I thought about it, this it's a time, very Gaga performance, though. 
It's a oh, very Lady so Gaga good. performance. She's know? so good. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, with that connection to music, the way that the way that he cries at the end, there's just like a little moment where the, her friend uh, Ramon is like, "Are you crying, Poppy?" And it's so cute because he's like, "Yeah, I got a little yeah. tear in my eye," and like, I know what that's like because that that's I've said before, like happy stuff makes me cry, uh-huh. and. That's another thing, too, I've noticed. Um, whenever I hear a, a really good singer, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that makes me tear up. Like, I will yeah. watch, like, YouTube videos of, like, the voice auditions and, like, shit like that. Whenever it's like, a really good singer and, like, the crowd reaction, like, that kind of shit tears me up. Like, someone who's so talented mm-hmm. that is, seems unreal almost. Yeah, that I, that kind of emotion, that gets to me. And I... I like yeah. that that's their first connection. And, you know, here's the thing. I think that there's a, I mean, I I think there's maybe a little bit of Russell Hammond kind of thing going on where it's like, I used to hear music everywhere. I used to mm-hmm. love it. And now I've lost that. I don't hear it anymore. And then he does with her. With her. And it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. It, it's just like, that's why I, I did started doing this in the first place, you know? Yeah. You don't get to be the best guitar player in the state by not loving music, you know, by not putting something into it, you know, because he's, you know, I mean, his brother says later, it's like, I couldn't find a better guitar player in this state. (laughs) You know, I'm going to imitate Sam Elliott, be forewarned. (laughs) Well, and you see that later with something with with what everybody says, including Jackson. Sorry, Bradley Cooper plays Jackson Maine. I don't think I even said his character. His brother says something later, like after they've they've sung Shallow on stage. Uh, he says something to Allie about how, like, I've never I haven't seen him play like that in a long time. Right. Uh, Dave Chappelle's character says the same thing. Yeah. And even Jackson himself says the same thing. Um, like, wait, it's way later on in the movie when he's when he's talking about um, after he's gone, like, gone to rehab and he wants to be better. He's like, I think I need to stick with you. He's found like um, a second life in her like uh, yeah. he's been yeah yeah oh which um, unfortunately doesn't work out uh, yeah. <laughs> and then they go um they go off to, to the cop bar and uh this is where like she says something to her dad later her dad is a driver i guess yeah. for like celebrities or whatever and she says something to him later about how you know like you're you're crazy around celebrities you know i think they were going to rub off on you she's one of those people that's like yeah, you're a celebrity and I recognize that. I'm still going to talk to you and treat you like a regular person, which is what she does with him um, on this first night when they, after the the drag bar, they go to a cop bar and have a drink and like someone wants to take a picture of him. She punches him in the face. And I love the scene when they go to the grocery store. <laughs> That's my, this is one of my favorite parts. The of grocery the movie. store and then the parking lot scene is yeah. like some of the best stuff because yeah. you can see why they're both attracted to each other. Yeah. Um, in different ways. So like I like when so she punches the guy for taking his picture in the cop bar, but then she also gets mad at the cashier or the cashier at the grocery store takes a picture of Jackson and he's and he's, he's like, like it's I said, okay. Yeah. And she gets No, it's, it's not. No, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with like, you know, with Kim keeping his head down the whole movie. Like he's he's dealt with fame before and he's yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's over it. He's over it, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, this um, and a lot of their um, like again, I didn't, I should have looked at more behind the scenes stuff, but it just seems like a lot of their conversations, especially like the argument in the bathtub later on, a lot of it seems like very improvised, but still 
just like they real. decided on what they were going to say, but yeah. you know, it's like they found it through improvising or something yeah. like that. That's what their conversation it just feels very natural like in this. Oh, and I love the moment in the grocery store cuz he's like getting a bag of peas, you know, for frozen peas for her hand to cut down on the swelling. I like the moment when and uh, he's just like looking at her hands and she's he's like, go like this. And he immediately says, you play the piano like he can see something like he in the way tell. she's holding yeah. in the way she's holding it. So it's just another uh, like musical connection they have. I, and I that, was, that I love sweet that, that he grabs a bag of Cheetos and Cheetos. she's like, what's that for? And, you know, it's like she, she <laughs> has no idea what that's for. And um, he goes in and he's like. So we got to get something to attach that to your hand, tape that to your hand. And he says, what, Cheetos? And she, and she, no. Yeah, <laughs> no, like gauze. So, so you can, yeah. Gauze, you know, it's it's just so funny. And then and then we see, there's just kind of a throwaway shot of the chauffeur the eating the Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this great, I love that touch. I think it's, it's funny. Uh-huh. But okay, the parking lot scene is probably, um, okay, I always like musicians oh. gelling scenes. Well, sorry, first, um, while they're still in the bar, this is where Jackson kind of says, like, what the whole movie is about, what, we, what you said about the, the 12 bars, when he says to her, like, you know, talent comes everywhere, everybody is talented in some way, but the way you say it so people listen to it, that's a whole other bag, and I think yeah. he can see that already in her, and that's kind of the theme of the movie, too, in a way, one of them. Yeah. If it is. One, and, you if know, there's I one think... reason we're supposed to be here is to say something so people want to hear it. I like that line. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think that's also, I mean, he is making this movie. They're making this movie knowing that this is the fourth version yes. of this movie. <laughs> and so they're saying it's not the story. It's how you tell it. You know, it's the singer, mm-hmm. not the song, as they say back in the, you know, the Stones say, right? In that old song, <laughs> right? You know? it's you know how you tell your story but okay so i think this uh this parking lot scene is just kind of magic yeah um i love musicians gelling scenes we've talked about that you know i mentioned uh when we talked about sing street there's a scene that's sort of like the scene in once you know where they're in the music store and they those kinds of things I, i love those kinds of moments and there's this part where she just sort of starts pulling these words and this melody just out of the ether, you know, and it's just, uh, (laughs) you know, obviously, and it's about him. Yeah. You know, she's just looking at him and it's just making her think of these words. And she goes, you know, that, and it's just, some people would be like, okay, that's contrived. Well, she says she'd been I writing actually, something before. <laughs> I actually think that's not. I think that is because, okay, there's this great moment on the uh, Beatles Get Back documentary where Paul McCartney is just fooling around on his bass. Then he just starts going, get back, get back, get back to where you once belong, just out of the blue. And it's it's just like, it's just there all of a sudden. These things happen. I mean, they, they just are just kind of pulled out of the ether sometimes. And um, I like that it does that. And then she says, but I've been also working on this other thing. And then she sings the chorus of Shallow. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hey, these could go together. Now, 
I got to say, as much as I love the scene where he actually brings her on stage and they sing it and they do the song together, it's like yeah. that is that is far more ridiculous to me because they didn't rehearse it. They have a full I band know. and stuff like I that. I don't care. But, but at the same time, I'm like, but it's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie. That's the way movies work. I had that thought too, but I still don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't take me out of it though, no. even, as, even as a musician, because no. I, I see it, I watch that... I could see a really cynical person watching that and going, oh, that's not the way it would ever happen. Yeah. Well, duh. Would Luke Skywalker really blow up a Death Star? (laughs) Anyway. I don't understand that reference. (laughs) (laughs) Have you never seen any of the Star Wars movies? I'm not a Star Wars person. Sorry. Well, I know you're not a Star Wars person, but you've never seen any of them? Not a. Like a really, really long time ago, maybe? (laughs) I'm sure. Wow. See that just blows my mind from my as a person of my of my, a few years older than you. It was just like there was no escaping it. I guess when I was a kid. So um, anyway, and his line to her here, like, "Can I tell you a secret? I think, I think you, you might, might be, be a songwriter." songwriter. <laughs> ah, that's sweet. Great line. Great line. And that's one of my favorite moments because you know they say. Things like you're not a writer until a writer tells you that you're one. Mm-hmm. That's her moment. That's her yeah. moment. A, so- a songwriter is telling her that she's a songwriter. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a empowering moment for, for a creative person. Yeah. That's, and what she had told him before in the bar about, you know, she had said what a big thing for her is and being with Jackson, his influence on her is that she could never sing her own songs that she wrote. And he inspired her encouraged her to sing her own songs again yeah she says she's talking about in the bar about like like you know everybody that she's ever met in the music industry told her she would never be anything because her nose was too big and you know you have all these men telling you like oh you you sound good but you know you don't look so good which i thought was like oh i'm sure that's fucking true (laughs) i'm sure that pulled right out of out of lady gaga's own experience and she's you know like then she became the biggest pop star in the world right you know but then we know she also had a pretty horrible experience with a music producer so yeah i yeah i actually don't know that (laughs) that side of the story but um she was raped when she was 19 by a music producer goodness yeah it's awful I, i i didn't know any of that so okay i gotta say the hearing stuff with uh all the tinnitus and the hearing tests and the losing your hearing that really hits home for me mm-hmm. i've had i've had uh and he talks about you know later in the movie how he thought it started when he was a kid and he would stick his head inside the victrola because he just wanted to be a part of the music you know he yeah. just loved the music so much that he just wanted to get as close to it as he possibly can that's kind of the how i interpret that but yeah. you know for me i started experiencing a ringing in my ears when i uh was pretty young i was in junior high, I was in a jazz band and there had this wall of sound coming from the trumpet section, you know, and uh, then I was right next to the drummer. And so I actually think my hearing has been uh, has been deeply affected by all that. And it's and I've and it's only probably gotten worse as I've gotten older. But yeah, but then there's also he's got this solution. You know, you can use these in-ear monitors and it'll help because you can control the volume of them. 
but then he's like, but I, I, I need to connect with the people. I need to, I can't be up yeah. isolated inside my own head. And I totally understand that feeling. It's weird, especially it's if weird. you're singing. Yeah. If, especially if you're singing, if you're, if you're just playing for me, it doesn't bother me, but if I am to sing too, oh, it's so strange. I don't, I, I don't like it at all. It's like sticking your finger in your ear and singing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It's kind of like doing this sometimes feels weird. Yeah, because <laughs> right now my noise, my, I have these noise-canceling headphones on that are yeah. different than the ones I was wearing, and so I just feel really isolated. I can hear you, yeah. but I can't hear myself talk except inside right. my own head, um, and it's very odd, and uh, and he's just like, I'm, I'm not going to change. I can't. How can I find the one guy that's not getting off and make him get off if I, um, <laughs> I got to make almost famous references. It's my job. <laughs> If if I can't connect with the people, I, I and so mm-hmm. I I under I get it. I get his sort of feeling here. Yeah, I definitely had uh, flashbacks when during that hearing test scene. Like, oh, I remember doing that. My hearing is not the best either. I had tons and tons of ear infections when I was a kid. Yeah, I had tubes put in my ears when I was a baby, and I still um, like hear. I still can't hear like lower tones. I think is mm-hmm. I think there's just certain tones that I can't hear at all. And yeah. so that's my that's why I have like such a reliance on subtitles and mm-hmm. stuff uh, when I watch things. And it is kind of scary. Like I imagine being a music person, it would be a lot scarier. But it is kind of scary. Like when one of your loves is a medium like movies or like music to lose to think about losing something that yeah. would stop you from enjoying that. That's that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a musician, um, the hearing thing has always scared me. Mm-hmm. So I imagine, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think it really hits home. And then you, this, th- this is when we're introduced to Bobby. Yeah, Bobby we, comes out with the the ear things, and the first, like the first line out of Samuel's mouth is like that stubborn son of a bitch or something like that. Yeah, because he's not wearing them while he's practicing, and so yeah. it just kind of introduces the the animosity, the dynamic, kind of between the, the dynamic yeah. between the two of them. Yeah, uh, Sam Elliott in this is really. <laughs> remarkable too he just has to give a look you know later on <laughs> that just sends you over the edge into absolutely Niag- niagara falls <laughs> niagara falls oh we missed something we missed something there's an important line when she gets out of the car to go into her dad's house oh sorry he says hey i just wanted to take another look at you yeah because you know again i mean they've been talking about the whole um her discomfort with her looks because she has been told this yep. over and over again. And then you kind of get a sense of her dad is like weirdly not supportive. Yeah, I know. And that scene when she comes home, like he recognizes the talent, but maybe he also kind of thinks the same way as like she's been told, like she's not pretty enough. I don't know. Like I get a weird well, vibe from him. I think because it wasn't he like a really good singer or something yeah, like and that. He, and yeah. he, he was like... He's he has been let down by the industry too, you know. Is like I didn't mm-hmm. make it, so you're probably not going to either. So, you know, you're really talented, but you know most people aren't going to make it. It's almost like he's trying to protect her from disappointment, but at the same time, um, just sort of dragging her down. Oh gosh, she's incredibly know? hurt when yeah he says that like in front of all his friends when he says something I know. like you know even the most talented ones you know like don't get anywhere or something and she's like really dad? <laughs> I know. Uh, she's so hurt by that and 
And um, I think it's because he's hurt himself. Yeah. You know, and I think Dice, Andrew Dice Clay is really good in this, too. I saw his name at the end. I was like, where was Andrew Dice Clay? Yeah. <laughs> Her dad. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He, he's really good in this. Yeah, I mean, he is. his, the, the few scenes they have together. I love the dinner scene or it says, well, actually, I don't know what meal this is. Uh, yes. that little scene. It's so short. I just wanted mm-hmm. more of that scene, but it's just kind of touching and sad and all the things that, Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um when she refuses, you know, to go um to his next gig, you know, Phil comes and says, like, Oh, Jackson would be come pick you up and take you to the gig. And she says that she's gotta work, which you're kinda like, oh, you're really gonna give up your job as a waitress with a boss yeah, that hates well, you to but she's I, I really think she's afraid. I, oh, she's I know. Like, That's what I'm saying. She's That's what like, I was gonna say. Opportunity she's is knocking, but it's, it's all of those years of hearing you're not attractive enough. Yeah. I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to go through you're not good enough again. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that rejection fear. It's like the imposter syndrome. Everything mm-hmm. that creeps in is happening to her right here. But then, you know, her boss, you know, snarks off to her for one <laughs> second and she's gone. <laughs> you know, which is maybe a little bit like, eh, okay. Uh, but well, you just... But you get that feeling that she's been dealing with that and she's just kind of yeah. done. She has yeah. she knows she has this connection with him. She knows that he genuinely cares. But yeah, she does refuse at first, I think, because she's scared. And now uh-huh. that was just like the final straw that she needed to be like, all right, fuck this. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but, you know. And I thought it was a perfect moment. And it's, it's every, a big deal. Everybody dreams, everybody dreams of doing something like that, you yeah. know? <laughs> And this isn't just like, hey, I'm going to see his show this afternoon in town. It's like, no, you're getting on a plane. You're heading out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so this is lots going on. But this scene, I mean, this is the this is the biggie, right? The, right, where, the she's, scene. where Where uh, she's I pulled love, on yeah. stage. Yeah. It's just it's. Uh, but even before that, it's such a sweet little moment. Um, first, she takes her friend Ramon, which I love. Um, <laughs> yes. And just them uh, walking through the venue again with like showing how like showing how big this venue is like in the backstage uh-huh. area when they're getting up to this uh, getting up to the stage but still keeping it insular on them keeping it um focused on them in this scene in particular um and i love the way like he just walks off he sees that she's there and he just walks off stage and at first he's he's in the middle of a show and he's just asking her like oh how you doing? Did you? How was the trip? You okay? Was Phil okay? <laughs> and they're just like having a real conversation, like in the yeah. middle of him doing the show. It's so cute that he's just the kind of guy to to care about her as a person first. Yeah. And then, um, and then he says, "We're gonna sing that song." You know that song that you wrote, which yes, I know that they didn't rehearse it or anything, and he wrote well, this and other they didn't even, this other part of the lyrics yeah, exactly. from his perspective. And I know. It's like, still. how does she remember exactly what she said? <laughs> I know it was the just first that one time, time through. You know, <laughs> you know, from from making it up off out of the ether. But you know, hey, yeah. The thing is, this is a movie, and this mo- moment is magic. It is. I get absolute chills when when they start singing it. Um, because I love her reaction to it. She comes up, her yes. head's kind of down, and she's like, "She's like, I can't believe you're making me do this, you know, in front of all these people." It's like if your friends, it's it's a it's weird because I was trying to put this into words <laughs> to you yesterday or the other day, and I said, "Okay, so it's like when your friends 
take you out to do like karaoke or something like that. They say, hey, come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up. Come <laughs> on. Come on. And you're like, you want to, but you don't want to. And you're don't embarrassed. Don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to screw up. You don't want to screw up. But at the same time, you're like really kind of like, I'm, I can do this. I'm good at this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, it's, you can see it's all of that. All of that. All of that is in the performance. Yeah, and there's a fear, like, this is a song that she wrote. Mm-hmm. She has a hard time singing the songs that she writes in front of other people. Um, Are people going to boo her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people in that <laughs> audience to boo, right? But then um, you also kind of, I also see a little bit of a determination. Yeah, like, this is my song. I know this is good, and I know I'm a good singer, so I can do this. But, uh, and I I just love, her whole performance just shows all of those emotions uh, all throughout like while she's belting out this incredible song the way she covers her face with her hands yeah oh my god there are five five i i I clocked this there are five points in this movie that always make me cry this is number one is watching her sing this song because mostly to me yeah it is all of those things mostly to me it is just the sheer overwhelming emotion of watching somebody live out their dreams for the first time mm-hmm. yeah. and being able to see that on um, her face and her performance is like that proves that she's an amazing actor especially in this scene yeah and as uh, she's tapping into something that she you know doubtless experienced at some point in her life where she got in front of a big crowd yeah. of people and did this for the first time mm-hmm. you know so, and again, keeping yeah. it focused on them, the two of them, she's singing the song to him. You can see her eye line is going straight yeah. to him and not to yeah. the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, they're sharing the microphone. Yeah. That in- intimacy of singing into the same mic as somebody. Mm-hmm. That moment when she like covers yeah. her mouth and then he shows yeah. up to like bring her back like, you can do this. You got this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they sing to each other for that mm-hmm. part. Ugh. Kills me. Yeah, it's a it's perfect. <laughs> I yeah, I don't think there's another word for it. I, I just yeah, this is sort of the showcase of, and honestly, the first time she sings it, it actually makes me tear up a little bit. And when she sings it in the parking lot, I don't know, it's something about her voice and that combination of notes and the words mm-hmm. that just really moves me uh, with this song. I can't yeah. explain it. There are some songs that just do that to me. Even though, even if I can or can't relate to the song, you know, it's just something about the, that combination of things that yeah. strikes a chord in my heart somewhere and makes me go, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> it's magic, you know, it's <laughs> what it is, you know? Uh, then we have this whole, you know, he's going out to his brother's ranch, the, the, oh, no. the, their dad's the, ranch and stuff. No, before you know? that, um, it's when... She goes out with them afterwards. They're in the hotel room and he kind of passes out. They think they're going to have sex, but he kind of passes out because he's drunk. All right. And there's the first indication of real problems, even though she said something beforehand to her dad. When Remember like when Phil first comes by and she doesn't want to be with him? And she says, you know, he's drunk. You know what drunks are like. So she yeah. can see that in him. And this is, but this is when um, I think it gets kind of serious because Bobby is shows up uh, to you know like take care of him like he's probably done many many times before to his little brother and he says to her like you think maybe he drinks a bit too much Mm -hmm. sweetie you have no idea 
and that's i don't know that's just that's really sad for me yeah i think um the stuff with the brother because i mean when it comes down to it you know he he sold his brother ended up selling selling out his his dad's ranch and they turned it into a wind farm and Mm -hmm. you know there's this big fight over it um that's one of my favorite scenes you know where jackson comes in and hits bobby and he says, you know, dad's grave washed away a long time ago in a storm and you were too drunk to know. Like, you I know, told you that, but you were too drunk to fucking remember. <laughs> yeah. And he just walks off. And it, it, Sam Elliott doesn't even, he plays this in a way where he's not just, he's not screaming at him. He doesn't throw a tantrum and go, I quit. I mean, it's more like, I'm done. I'm done I've done this. this. Yeah. I've done this for so long. And you know what? He's firm and he's authoritative because Sam Elliott, mm-hmm. but <laughs> he walks off and says, he just says, I quit. He's just, he's he's off camera when he says it and it's just, and it's just calm and it's just a fact. Oh, and just the, the intensity that they can have between the two of them without, yeah, without screaming at each other. Yes. When he grabs his, when he grabs his face and they're like forehead to forehead mm-hmm. and he's, and he's talking about, um, or Bobby is talking about Jackson stealing his voice. So like he was a singer beforehand and, but you don't really get the full story, but you kind of get that Bobby was a singer, but that Jackson just became more popular. Um, Bobby refused to sing the songs that Jackson wrote. He says that in this argument scene, just, you can barely catch it, but uh, just the way that they deliver these lines at each other is is so intense. Like, cause you had nothing to fucking say is what Jackson says. And you can tell that cuts just as deep as like anything else. Like when the they Bobby show, had dreams too. Ugh. Yeah, when they show their faces, and I mean, I, I almost, I was so entranced by the way they were just looking at each other and mm-hmm. talking to each other because they're shot in a close-up profile, yeah. nose to nose, practically. It was like I didn't even catch what they were saying because I was just like so intrigued <laughs> by. Oh my gosh, they kind of do look like brothers. I could believe this. I, it's there's uh, just the connection between the two actors is mm-hmm. is almost overwhelming of the entire scene that's that's one of my favorite scenes though is that the way that that argument is shot is like so different than i've seen it before where it's like they're yeah they're not shouting yeah. each other just they, they both have the deep voice going how how bradley cooper pulled off this voice is just <laughs> it's such yeah. a difference when you hear like his actual voice versus what he did in this oh, well i it's, honestly i imagine it hurt like, his throat <laughs> Part of me is wondering if he just said, I just, Sam Elliott was so cool. I just wanted to be more like him. And that voice just became think, part of it. You I know? think he was totally emulating Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah. There's a definite sensibility uh, in that direction. So Allie it's, joins uh, the tour here. It's um, like a little montage of like gigs that they're I, doing. I love this montage too. And And one of the, okay, so she, he like gives her these opportunities to just come on and sing, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is sort of different from what we're saying about Bobby. You know, it's like the opposite. You know, he's allowing her to come on and just sing her songs. And these are the kinds of songs that um, Jackson loves, obviously. These songs yeah. that she's singing, he is like, uh, you know, w- between Shallow and I'll Always Remember Us This Way. It's like, these are the songs. It's like, these are, these feel like her. These feel like they come from a place in her soul that matters. And that's why I think Jackson gets so angry at her later. Yeah. 
This is a part you know, of what and, makes him and part love of her. Me is like part of me yeah. is like I see his point because I know. And me too. We'll get to that. We'll you get to know. That. And so I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, that bathtub scene is a tough one, but I know. We'll get to part that. Of the, anyway. Um, but but I, yeah, this I, is I, but, another but this one. Whole, of my... This is that. Uh, sorry. Um, but when she's, it's just has that reluctance again. You know, always she's like having to take she. She takes a big shot, you know, before she goes up to sit at the yeah. piano to sing, for example. You know, This is the second part that makes me cry is when she sings this song, uh, which uh-huh. is actually my favorite song in the movie is Always mm-hmm. Remember Us This Way. It's the way the movie <sighs> ends, that they play it over the credits. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's that reluctance because I love how much these early scenes are all about him wanting her to be the rising star, you know? Mm-hmm. Because he's so encouraging of her songs and of her. Um, I think it's most evident in this one. Because uh, she's just at the piano um, singing her song. He's just off in the in the background. He's just yeah. he's watching her and smiling. And like, God, she's so talented. <laughs> you, right. can just see, you can see the love for her as a person and for her as an artist. I yeah. think in there. And her performance, again, with um, singing the song. It's also really, really gets to me, especially um, there's one line in the song that says, um, the part of me that's you will never die. The way that she points at him and like the intensity and the way in her face and in the way that she sings that part, that Mm -hmm. makes me cry. (laughs) Because again, it's like it's that deep connection that the two of them have already in their relationship. You can tell, I think, in that performance. It's like one of those performances where... I don't want to sound mean or anything, but like when you're so into like what you're singing and you're so in, like you make weird faces and like it doesn't yeah. matter. You're, you're sweaty. You're in it. You know, that's kind of what she's doing here. And I, I can totally feel that. And she's, oh, gosh, she's so good. Um, but that, that part gets to me. And then like um, he comes up to her afterwards and just says, that was fucking beautiful <laughs> in yeah. that voice of his. And you can just, you can feel the the love there. Well, I love this thing. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I think, I think to me, this is um, also the point where the movie starts moving in a different direction. It starts getting into the dark side of this relationship a little bit more because we've got our new manager, yeah, uh, who shows after up. yeah after this performance is when Rez Gavron comes up to Ellie and you know says she's got real talent. She's got everything and that he can make things happen for her and when she's talking to jackson in like a hotel room oh well even before that well i i I think his line there is like what do you want i'm in Uh a position to put you anywhere you want to be but the thing is follow through he doesn't he doesn't though he doesn't because he makes her be what she's not and that's never what she wanted to be that's yep. never where she wanted to be. So, but anyway, I love the scene in the hotel room, though, because that also feels like totally because <laughs> he's improvised. T- yeah, well, she's telling him all this stuff, all this great news for him. It's like you know, it, well, her first reaction is, "I need to talk to Jackson first. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's important, and, I think, and I think it is too. And I think it's smart. I'm going to talk to someone who's been there and see if this is a just a good or idea or not. Now, Jackson is like, obviously, it's a good idea, but I'm wasted and I'm jealous as fuck. Yeah, and I love that, like, <laughs> the when he, what is that, a cake or something? Yeah, what he just <laughs> like a little, when he smashes the little, 
smashes the cake in her face. Her first line is, you jealous fuck. Like, she yeah. knows exactly <laughs> what he's thinking. But I love that but they, they still, sort of start playing with it. I know. It. They still kind of, they play through it. And, yeah, I can't really, um, I don't know. I'm not really it's, sure. I like, I love the weird. scene, but I'm not, I'm, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. Because he starts spreading it around her face and she starts chuckling a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. It's almost like smashing the wedding cake stuff in each other's faces which they there's, do later on this, which they do later and it's i i came up with an idea of what's happening here he's happy okay. jealous yeah <laughs> yeah he's so happy for her but he's like man do you know how long it took me to get to the point you're at now? yeah yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and i'm on this downward slide and i can feel it coming while you're you know just about to take off yeah, there's very much there's that uh, sense of those mixed emotions. And, you yeah. know, I get that. I mean, you see your friends. I was like, I'm so happy for you. I wish I had that opportunity. I know. We were it's, talking before it's about like. Hard to it's hard. That. I hate that I feel it, that way, too. It's hard to be jealous of yeah. your friends or people that you care about. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, I, it's, it's like, I don't it's a human emotion. It's okay. want to be. I don't want to be jealous of you, but I. I'm just a little bit, but I'm so happy for you too. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, I hate that, you know, that even creeps in, but it's there. There's no doubt about it. So the recording scene. Oh, when she's doing her first song in the studio. That first song, you know, recording is hard. It's just a different animal than performing live. And I think this movie captures that nicely. You know, Jackson's, you know, I got an idea and he, pulls in the piano for her it's like said she can play it and sing it at the same time and it works i mean i think that is a is a cool thing because he gets her i think it shows that he really understands her not just as a person but as a musician yeah that's so wrapped up in who they both are but you know then there's the dance class and the whole we're creating an image thing um, that's going on and it's not anything related to songs like shallow and I'll always remember us this way. It's so foreign from anything that she's done as a musician up to this point, you know, including La Vie and Rose or anything. To me, yeah, it's it just is. like they're creating an image. Is there a hole in the market that we need you to fill in? We need you to be Britney Spears. Yeah. As soon because, as you see you know, her practicing choreography to go along with her lyrics you like you know exactly what they're trying to turn her into yeah trying to turn her into a pop star yeah she's reluctant to that at first but she kind of goes along with it she thinks that's part of the job and Uh uh-huh but again with these um these moments keeping it it's it's all those little moments along the way to becoming what she is because obviously she becomes a huge star i mean she's like grammy nominated later on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you don't again the scope is still very small and very focused yeah. on the two of them. Cause there's these great little moments. I, I like the uh, one, there's a little moment here with the two of them where they're both in the bathtub together. And she like puts the fake eyebrows that she was wearing on him. Yeah. On yeah. him. And like, that's just such a sweet little um, second. And then um, later on when um, he's, he's asking her to, to come to Memphis with him or whatever. And she's yeah. talking about like, Oh, well I have to go like record this album. And she's talking about it very nonchalantly. And he, literally stops her and says, stop. Okay. Think about what you're saying. Think about what's happening for you and take it all in. Like mm-hmm. he gives her that moment. Like, so he, yeah, he's happy, jealous. He's like, he's recognizing that this is amazing for her, but also kind of realizing that she's going up while he's going down. Do you think there's also a sense that he knows what she's in for? 
Um, I, I wondered about that or if I wondered that or if I thought that maybe he thought it would be different for her as long mm-hmm. as she does what he says in the movie and sticks to her what's in her soul. Yeah. And, you know, the whole conversation they have in front of her billboard. Oh, that's my favorite scene. I, I think some of the stuff that he says there is so profound. It's not my favorite scene, but I love that scene a lot. I it's, it really has some. I mean, for me as a musician, I feel that what he's saying there, too. Yeah. That's you know. why I, underst- I understand what he's saying there. I understand what uh, the whole bathtub argument that oh, they gosh. have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I completely understand it. He knows what's in the store for her, but he thinks maybe she'll be okay if she sticks to that part of her that he fell in love with in the beginning. What he saw in her lyrics yeah. and her music, the way he saw, way, the way she saw those twelve notes. You know. Yeah. Well, I think there's a sense of you got to be authentic. She doesn't do that. She goes the other way. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard because, you know, okay, some of more writing advice that I got was, you know, write about movies you love. Don't mm-hmm. spend time doing something that's not you, you know, <laughs> it's because it's exhausting and you'll ultimately, you know, just not be as good at it as you will be at being you, you know, and I think there's an element of that in what jackson is feeling towards ali he's saying i can see i'm so it's like i'm glad that you're getting some fame and traction here but at the same time is this going to last for you are you going to be able to keep doing this because this is not really who you are yeah i i can see his point that's the hard part about it i am <laughs> You know, like she even when she goes on the stage and she says she decides not to use the dancers, she says, OK, I'll, I'll change my hair color, I guess, if I have yeah. to. I just she don't want to be, be blonde, blonde yeah. you know, which I think it's is funny because funny. Funny she's a she's a platinum blonde, really. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, Lady Gaga's been all sorts of hair colors <laughs> now, but <laughs> I'm mostly I've yeah. mostly seen her as with the platinum yeah, blonde. Yeah, she started look, out with the platinum blonde look, but she's uh, since then she's yeah. done you know <laughs> all all the many shades of the rainbow. Um, but then you know, like the the whole thing with the dancers and stuff. I mm-hmm. and and essentially the you know Rez comes on and says, "You will do what I tell you to do." Essentially, the Mister White scene from the end yeah. of that thing you do. You will do what I tell you to do. And essentially, I think there's an element of like I have to play the game now. A little bit like like we were talking about with the you know Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooter Sheen scene, right? <laughs> yeah. Shooter Sheen. Uh, Sheen. Uh, you have. Um, uh, Lenny kind of into it because he knows this is what we got to do to get where we want to go. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that I see um, Allie playing that game a little bit, being like, okay, this is the game I got to play right now so that in the future, and that's a little bit the game that Lady Gaga played. She started out, I mean, her early stuff is very pop star stuff. You know, and I like some of that stuff. I, I think it's fun. Um, but, you know, Poker Face and Bad romance, bad romances. I actually think a step up from those, but it's just that that they're they're kind of um, they're pop songs, you know, they're subversive pop songs, but they're pop songs, right? But then when she went into sort of the next phase, she was like, "I'm going to tweak it a little bit until it's like she's because shallow, for example, feels like a song that is very authentic to her somehow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like who she is." 
just as I don't know her real name off the top of my head, but Stephanie uh, something. Yeah. It's like an Italian (laughs) name, right? I, I can't remember, but you know, that is that person and Lady Gaga is this persona, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this difference between Allie and Allie, the pop star, you know? Yeah. And, and you, you kind of get Allie, that. whatever her last name, and then she's known <laughs> right. as just, and she's just yeah. known as just Allie when she becomes yeah. a star. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's, uh, you know what I mean by all that? I mean, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm <laughs> articulating it very well or not, but. She's she's more willing to play the game and he wants her to remain authentic to herself. Yeah. Yeah. Is basically their what causes the main friction between them later on. Yeah. And there's just more stuff um, in between where you can see what Jackson is going through, too. Oh, the shot of him like smashing the pills with his boot. Yeah. And like (laughs) that's when you can tell someone's like rock bottom, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Doing the coke off the coffee table, is that? Yeah. Yeah. And then he doesn't he end up just wasted in the back in his friend's backyard? Is, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where we end up. And his friend, you know, uh, played by Dave Chappelle, I, we know. Um, controversial person at the moment. Not going to um, say anything about that. Not at, at the time, I do like he what was is, not. <laughs> yeah. I, I like what is said in his in his scene, too, uh, yeah. when they're when they're talking, when um, which I think is where Jackson is at. Um, he's his. What is his name? Fuck. I don't know his character's name. Dave Chappelle's character's name um, says maybe she's a way out. Yeah. And I think that's how he's seeing it too. It's a way out for him. He, I think he knows that he's numbered now, not just with his, his hearing, but with his drug addiction and his alcoholism. Yeah. He plays George Noodles Stone. I don't remember that at all. (laughs) I didn't either. But you kind of get that. Maybe that could be the almost happy ending that this movie could have. Like, let mm-hmm. her let, let her take over and you take care of yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think these, this scene is really cool. I mean, the, the interaction with, you know, someone that uh, he's known when he was a kid, uh, then just clipping the guitar string. Yeah. You know. I like how she shows up and she's, when she says that, you know, she won't come looking for him again. Right. Like that's always a hard thing when you see someone who's struggling with the disease and like, but also like feeling for the person that's with them and like, you can got to take care of both of them. Like they, it's hard for, it's all hard on both sides. Really? Yeah. You can see both sides, even though, even though you know, like for this one ends up. Uh. Mm. Well, I mean, I know, in, in this me. scene, in this scene here, you know, they actually, you know, they do end up getting married. Yeah. She hasn't, obviously, she's, she, she wouldn't be willing to do that if she had completely given up on him, right? No, she hasn't. She <laughs> loves him, but yeah. there is a, like, it's hard to watch somebody do that to themselves, I think, oh, is what she, is. she's feeling. Yeah. That's, that's where the anger, I think, and the hurt from her is coming from. Yeah. She loves him and she, it's hard for her to see him like this. I do love the moment where he clips the yeah. the end of the guitar string and makes the ring out of it, and just like casually like slips it on her finger. Slips one thing, it. one thing I love about this movie too, like there's a lot of um, throughout uh, the different stages in their relationships. There, in their relationship, there are these um, just like really quick, uh, like slow motion shots of the two of them just like looking at each other, mm-hmm. like when she's singing, she's on the she's first singing in the in the drag bar and she's like yeah. actually laying on the bar and she just kind of like kind of looks at him like while in the middle of her singing and they have a look and they do that uh, a couple of times in here too uh, when 
uh, he puts the guitar string ring on her finger. It's just it's a like, kind of a slow motion like thing, and then mm. the, when the, and then like a, the actual wedding uh, mm. scene later, the the shot that shot of her with a tear on her face. Uh, <laughs> like come on, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and they're 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 weird. They're almost like out of the real world slightly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're almost otherworldly just for those moments. It's like yeah, it's how, like very. It's it it's it's the it's the um, depiction of a feeling, uh, almost more than the depiction of the reality. If that makes sense, that's that's kind of what I get from it too. It's yeah, like it's it's these moments where you're just with the two of them for that moment and feeling yeah. what they're feeling for each other. Yeah, I okay. So after this is where we get the whole giant billboard thing. Yeah, and she's, again, again, like I'm talking about with this movie, how it just it's it feels a bit like you can feel the passage of time. You can feel like yeah. that things have been happening for her. Yeah, yeah, you know, she's she's all dolled up. Her hair is not blonde; yeah. it's red, which I kind of like. Red. She looks she looks good. She does, she does. And the thing is, okay, but at the same time, you get this, you get the sense of time passing, but also that this is all happening very fast. Yeah, you know, because this is the scene where she finds out that she's going to be on SNL, which is uh-huh. huge. Yeah, that is huge, um, and, uh, and you know like they the, find her the in the moment, bathtub. Yeah, she's, that moment she's in the bathtub. empty bathtub. She's just overwhelmed by this. This is all happening so fast. I feel like you know, um, uh-huh. but then Jack is having a tough time too. You can kind of see the uh, the animosity too that exists between Jack and Rez. Yes, in this same moment too. They don't really say anything, but you can kind of sense that Rez doesn't There's, like him. Cut the tension <laughs> with a knife. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but, the, this 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 scene on the balcony, though. Yeah. If you don't dig deep into your fucking soul, you won't have legs. You don't tell the truth out there, you're fucked. All you got is you and what you want to say. You know, I mean that. After that, it's sort of paraphrased because it's such a, it's a lovely speech. It's just be you is what it comes down to. Be real, yeah. be authentic. This is who I fell in love with was the real you. And I don't see that in what you're doing in your well, current n- not performance, yet. I think. Not you know, yet. I think I think he doesn't say that out loud, but I think he's implying that. I don't think he's feeling that yet. He's just okay. I think he it's she's um she's she's rising and he's she's her star is rising and he's just reminding her of where she needs to yeah. be like he says in the scene like you've got people listening to you now they're not going to be listening to to you forever you forever mm-hmm. but i love this line you know it says how you say it is the stuff of angels yeah like you just tell them what you want to say because how you say it is the stuff of angels I'm like come on yeah and then they kind of flip that with the next scene is her snl performance which is very pop star with the song that she's singing you know the <laughs> about, ass like, like that why you come around me with an ass, with like, an that. ass like that and yeah. just doing the basic you know it looks like an actual snl performance like with all the it lights does. Thing. it looks really cool yeah they have alec baldwin introduce <laughs> yeah you know who is a regular host yeah the the way they do that with the um the lights and the choreography but what you can see in her performance i think on that it's not the same as you saw when we saw her singing shallow or when we saw her singing always remember us this way she has like no emotion on her face when she's singing the song no which is it's a bit it's a little bit like a bad version of early lady gaga stuff like poker face (laughs) <laughs> I, I think I think those songs are actually good um, on the uh, Fame Monster album. I think they're really good, but uh, these are sort of like the version of that 
if there was just simply no soul in them yeah. at all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, She's doing all the right moves. Yeah. She's finally got yeah. the look, but there's yeah. no soul behind what she's singing anymore. That's what I see. That's I what I think too. that they're trying to say. Well, and that's, it, you get the impression that since the wedding, uh, Jackson has not been doing a lot of drinking. And then he goes over to sort of the backstage area and grabs the beer out of the, mm-hmm. out of the back there, you know? Bobby wow. shows up again mm-hmm. and kind of cuts a he's been another another wound when he says he's been working with somebody else. He's been touring Jackson. with he's been touring with Willie. <laughs> yeah, and Jackson says he's been thinking about asking him to come back, and Bobby mm-hmm. says, "Got to admit, it's easier without you." Which, mm-hmm. damn, ouch! I just wrote ouch <laughs> in my notes for that because. Just all, uh, you can just see now, like knowing what happens later on, you can just see all these things like probably building up for Jackson. That's makes him do what he does, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a particular moment that I think really puts him over the edge though. But then, but then there's also like a little insert shot uh-huh. right here too, that I, um, I really liked after SNL where they're just recording a song in the studio together and they're doing the same thing that they did with shallow where they're both singing into the same mic, just looking at each other. And it's one of like their songs or it's like one of yeah. those songs, like mm-hmm. more country type song. Yeah. I don't know. Just more, more of those little moments where you, you see the love and the connection between the mm-hmm. two of them. Mm-hmm. And then she's on the photo shoot and they find out that she's nominated for three Grammys. Okay. Now, now we have the, now we have the bathtub scene. Well, she's trying to just tell him, you know, I got nominated for a Grammy. Just fucking be happy for me, will you? Uh, You know, this is a big deal, right? Yes. I mean, come on. That's huge. But then, yeah, like you said... I can see where he's coming from well, too. Well, he says in this. he says at first he's 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 he. But the thing is, he's wasted, yeah. and so he's he's not able to put this in any delicate, thoughtful fashion whatsoever. Yeah, and so he says, "You got nominated, and that's great. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out why where where I failed you." Yeah, <laughs> is what he says, and that he calls her embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, he says, "Where you like come quoting, out with an quoting ass like her, that yeah, and... quoting her lyrics mm-hmm. to her, and, and she's offended because <laughs> she wrote that song. Yeah, you know, and part I think part of her is like, um, yeah, I wrote that song. That's my creation. But at the same time, I think she's kind of like maybe somewhere deep inside saying, it's also I know. Yes, I know the song yeah. sucks, and I betrayed myself. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know what I mean." I, I don't I, I don't know it's because it, she doesn't really play that in the in the scene you know exactly but I she think plays that there's it as very, something very proud. in there yeah there's something in there though that is probably nagging at her saying this is not as good as what you can do I mean she's too proud to admit it right now yeah but I guess I do see where he's coming from because what he's basically talking about is that the songs that she's singing like has no meaning it has no heart, has no soul behind it like he's seen before. And I get that. I get that. I like, but there is a place for those songs too. Yeah. That song is, it's, it's got a good beat to it. It's, it's Sometimes poppy Sometimes you and just fun. need She yeah. Loves You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can see. Where, yeah, that song she was singing, it had the exact same uh, words for the chorus like four times, you know, like there was yeah. nothing really in it. 
but again yeah there's a place for those kind of songs too and like it's fine to have those but Mm -hmm. (laughs) those are that's how you get the album sold right yeah you get the album album sold and then you fill it uh with songs that with other songs that have more depth and meaning i mean that's why they call them b-sides right sure you know those are the ones that you get if you get the whole album right and you might get a more rich experience if you get that and it's like hey and i get to bop along to the single that i like too you know Mm -hmm. i mean that that's that's i think it's part of the game again i mean the industry is just kind of that way and this is another one where their lines feel very improvised because i think because of the part where she calls him her boyfriend yeah (laughs) And then remembers like, oh, no, wait, in this part of the story, we're married. You know, that's what it yeah. almost kind of feels. That's what it almost feels like. I get a and sense then, of that that Bradley Cooper left a couple of things like that in. Like where, yeah. she's, where she's sitting down with Dice at, um, at having a meal and she says, yeah. she says, I mean, here we're having finish a nice dinner. Di- finish finish your, food. your dinner. And it's like, wait a minute. I'd, it's like, whatever fucking meal this is. You know, yeah. that sounds, that seems like something like she screwed up and, you know, was supposed to say something else, but it, it feels it it's the best take because it feels natural it feels real and that's what it feels like here too all of that yeah Mm -hmm. because then they then they get into the whole argument because i think if it was improvised and she came up with this like well like you're my boyfriend until you treat me like your wife i was like that's a good line actually yeah it is and um just him being uh him being hurt and like they're just like doing that thing where they're just trying to hurt each other and when yeah. she brings up his dad and talking about being his yeah. drinking buddy, because that was um, part of the argument that he had with Bobby is like, you idolize because you idolized your father for no reason. Like all he did was turn you into his drinking buddy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a good scene, though. It's a it's one of the best. I mean, one it's, it's strong, really strong scene. Now, we also find out that he is supposed to be doing this Roy Orbison tribute at the Grammys. Mm-hmm. So doing this performance. But then they hire someone else to sing it and he's just playing guitar on it and he's like uh, okay so again you have this whole idea of the star is fading yeah as sort of the back half of that now this grammy performance at first you're like this is going to be a disaster because he's yeah he's off his ass right now completely yeah and he and he reaches down for the guitar pick and he almost falls over and he, he picks to, it like, up stop himself with his hand yeah yeah and they start they play the little slow thing then he does that whole then he plays the rip. Da, 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 da. Which sounds and so cool. <laughs> it which sounds awesome. And he just holds it. And then they're like, what's he doing? What's he doing? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then he just starts playing the riff. And it's like, oh, it's like musical magic alchemy moment. You know, it's like this, I, this one of those moments that would be remembered in a good way at the Grammys. But if then, it wasn't for what was going on behind the scenes, if it wasn't going on behind Ali, the which, scenes, and what which happens, which Allie can see, yeah, yeah, which Allie can see when he's doing this, she's yeah. like, oh, you can. She has a moment where she's like, oh no. Well, and you know, the the when when he goes and he's sitting next to her at the Grammy, he's he's he can't even hold his head up. He looks like he's gonna fall right out of his chair, and then you know she wins, and he can't even stand up. That's just such a sad. It's supposed to be like, I don't know. To me, it's just a really sad 
scene. It is a sad <laughs> scene. It's a completely sad scene. And, you know, and then this is her great moment where she's going up and be able to give this acceptance speech. And, you know, he goes up on stage and is just like distracting. It's like, ah, I want to. And we've all seen embarrassing, you know, award show moments. Mm-hmm. You know, she's doing they, great dealing with she's, it. She's doing her best to deal with it. And then, you know, he's it just pisses his pants on the stage. And it's just like, and she's, and, and you hear the audience as she's finishing up, the audience starts going, oh, oh laughing, you know, yeah. and, and, and then she, she sees it. And, and, you know, when they show her dad and his friend, he looks like he is going to kill him. Yeah. You know, Andrew Dice Clay, obviously a kind of controversial figure in his own right. <laughs> Cause he's edgy to say the least, you know, but, when he gets a good character to play in a movie, I've seen him in a couple that is like, he's so good. Um, and he's usually playing a little bit against type, you know, and this is one of yeah, those. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he, when he's like yelling at him, like, you know, don't you do this to my daughter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's dragging him into the shower. Into the shower. But, but what I love is like, as I say later on, like she just loves him too much. She doesn't care about what other people are thinking about her or what's going to be like for her career. She's in there in the shower with him, like with her Grammy dress on, you know, because she yeah. cares so much for him. Yeah. And there's, I think beforehand too, is this? Yeah. It was when they were, before they were getting, when they were getting ready to go to the Grammys, he's, he leaves first and they kind of have a kiss. She, she has a moment where she, she asks him like, are you Okay. You got that look on your face. He does. Mm-hmm. He tries. He plays it off like, "Oh, look, it's gone." <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's like she can. It's like she saw it coming almost, just because mm-hmm. she was so. Um, she knows what he's going through, and she's kind of they're so in tune together now. Like, I just love that throughout the movie is she never. Um, <sighs> I don't know. She's always on his side. I yeah. Guess what I'm trying to say. I think she she gets it. I mean, it's not I don't think it's a completely blind devotion either though. She's just never going to put herself over him. You can mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like Yeah. She I, does, I, she I, never yeah. she never has a moment like that where she's mm-hmm. like, "Well, this is you're just going to ruin my career if you keep acting like this." She never has a moment like that. She doesn't. In fact, you know, by the end she's going to be giving up her career. Yeah. for him so they can be together. And that's just like anyway, that's in a minute but um yes. <laughs> the um they show him at rehab you know and i actually kind of really like these rehab scenes all three mm-hmm. of them because there are really only three because there's the group session there that's fairly brief then when he has that discussion with his counselor <sighs> on the park bench and he talks about you know the tinnitus and the hearing trouble and you know and, but then he reveals that he tried to kill himself when he was not quite 13 years old. Yeah. He tried to hang himself and he pulled the ceiling fan out doing he used it. used a belt uh-huh. to yeah. try to hang himself. Ah. But, uh, but then the third one between Allie and Jack. Wow. That's, that's really, I think, because uh, again, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, she asked, are you going to come back? And he's like, mm-hmm. do you want me to come back? She's like, of course I want you to come back. And he's like, well, I but he's like, I don't want to hold you back. I mean, there's, yeah. there's all of this that's and going she th- on. And she thinks that maybe she's the cause of his downfall because she was like, you were you were like this when we were together. Like, did I did I cause this? Like, are you not going to love me now that you're sober? <laughs> that's what she's thinking of, too. Well, and then she says, he says, well, I wasn't always drunk when we were together. Yeah. 
are you going to want me if you're not, you know, is kind of the thing. Well, this is where she says that she just wants him to be happy. And he says that, you know, he's working on it, which I understand that line <laughs> a lot. And he says, I, ne- I think I need to stick with you. I think so much of his happiness is tied to her. It's tied to her is, you know, the mm-hmm. reclaiming of it. And I think part of the reason of him getting so crawling back into the bottle, so to speak, is because they Fear have of what been... he's doing to her. Yeah, I think that. But also, I think they have been separated. I mean, they haven't they don't show that a, a lot, but he's you get the feeling that he's kind of on a never ending tour and she's having to travel all of at the same time to, uh, to kind of get things going with what she's doing. So I, I, I sense that maybe, you know, at this point, they're just not really together that much anymore. And he's seeing his career declining as hers is rising. And uh, all of those things mixed together is just like, I need a beer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think there's an element of that. Um, uh, but you know, that's, that's one thing we don't really know what the passage of time is. It feels like a while, like it would take Mm -hmm. a while to like get so popular that you're nominated for Grammys, right? Well, she's also nominated for best new artist though. That's true. So it's within the year. Could be a year. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also found, um, song lyrics that he had written. They hadn't told her about for a song called my love, Mm -hmm. which comes back (laughs) again. It does. Uh, and, oh, the way he starts crying when he um, he's apologizing for what happened at the Grammys. That's like, yeah, Bradley Cooper just fucking kills it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, Allie saying she wants Jack to come on the tour. I think this is before that uh, before that scene. She wants no, Jack. It, after. To, it is after. She's like, I want him on the tour. Rez is like, no, he cannot come on the tour. That's what like, that's what I mean. Like she then never, she starts she, standing up for herself, though. Yeah, you know she's saying, she's "Well, been, if he doesn't come, there's not going to be a tour." Yeah, that's what I mean about how you she know. never Rez is being the manager and like thinking about her reputation. She's not thinking about that. She doesn't care about that. She doesn't care what other people think. Like what kind of uh, how her reputation has been destroyed by what he did. She doesn't care about that. No. Yeah, I would agree. And then comes the third part that makes me cry. The drive home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when oh, Bobby is boy. giving Jackson uh, a ride home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh, one of those scenes where it's... Yeah. Oh, wow. Again, with the way that he, Bradley Cooper, plays the scene, especially, I don't know, just he gets out of the truck and he he stops and he wants to go back and tell his brother something. And the way that he plays it, like, not not being able to find the words... You know, starting a sentence over and over again and Bobby just looking confused and then him finally being able to find the words like, you know how I they say, you know, we said uh, I took your voice. Mm-hmm. It was you I idolized. It wasn't dad. Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> like, come on. That not line. just not just that. Mm-hmm. But then Sam Elliott uh, turning around like to back up out of the driveway with tears in his eyes. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> You know, I'm about I to mean, cry thinking about that scene right now. <laughs> and, you know, Sam Elliott has always uh, been one of those people on film that's sort of like the epitome of masculinity on film. You know, he's got the mustache and the voice and the, and the voice, uh... beef. It's what's for dinner. And, um, <laughs> you know, everything about him is just like a man's man, but not in a toxic way. Right. Yeah. 
for the most part. I think, you know, like being the angel, the stranger in, in the Big Lebowski, you know, he's just kind of this presence and, uh, I, I just think, has a very I tough guy, a tough guy yeah. thing. You know, he's lonesome yeah. dove. He's a cowboy. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, it's hard not to talk about him and not start trying to talk like him. <laughs> but so for him to have a such a vulnerable moment and it's not even really that much it's just no. you can see his eyes are a little bit wet yeah <laughs> that's pretty much it and, and you know it's, and it's a few that's seconds. all you need that's all it's you need just a few seconds and it's devastating yeah as a viewer especially since this is, seems like it's the last time he sees him mm-hmm. i don't know for sure but it seems like it it seems that that is the case um, because when, because yeah. after this, it's like Jackson's back home. He's home from rehab. It seems like he he's apologized, Allie. He, you know, he's facing his addictions. It seems like he's healing and getting better. You see him playing with their dog Charlie. Charlie's a little yeah. Charlie's. I love I love Charlie. Doesn't the, the the playing the piano and you know they they cut the scene before we hear the song. Yes, um, <laughs> I remember where that where that is. for a good reason. Um, but that's in, <laughs> that's in that's in all that. Um, but, but Rez, then Rez show, shows up. Okay, so Rez, you know, laying it down for him, where he says, "You almost single-handedly destroyed her career. You're an embarrassment." I actually wrote down in my notes that Rez effectively effectively kills Jack in this scene. I don't entirely blame him, though. <laughs> no, because he. But is, he does. <laughs> he, he. But at the same time, I mean, he's. He's being harshly, he's being true yeah. to to the fact, you know, it's like what you did at the Grammys is inexcusable. What happened there is not something that was easy to deal with or to fix. And yeah, so, that just made me think of like, okay, imagine if that was, because we don't see the other side, you know, we don't get mm-hmm. like a montage of headlines like, oh, embarrassing you know, star does this at the Grammys. But you can just imagine what that would be like if that actually happened. Like oh, the reactions that people, the comments on Twitter and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah. I can, yeah, I definitely see where Rez is coming from in this moment. So oh, I yeah. You, entirely you can't really blame him. Yeah, I can't blame him. But here's the thing. it's be, it's It's because of where Jack's head is at. Yes. It's not because of really particularly anything that Rez says being wrong. It's mm. in fact probably because Jackson sees his point. And he's yeah. like and he has never wanted to hurt Allie's career. He's never wanted to stand in her way. And then the next scene where basically she says, you know, this is it. I'm going to, I'm going to stop the, I'm going to end the tour. I'm just going to be home with you. We're going to be together. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. One last concert. And, and she, s- she says it's because uh, she says she lies to him in this scene. Mm-hmm. Cause she, she says that later on. She says the last thing that I did was lie to him. She's lying to him about why she's canceling the tour. Yep. She knows she needs to be home with him. Yep. And she's going to give up her opportunity because this is her first like European tour, I guess, yeah. which is a huge deal for her. Mm-hmm. She's going to she says she's going to cancel the rest of it and she's going to be home for the summer with him. And she tries to make him feel better about it by saying, you know, they're just like, oh, they're just so excited about the album. They want to keep the momentum up. You know, that's not what she's yeah. doing. He but knows at the it. same time. He's it's like, but also what she says is also like, I don't I never wanted to do this to you. You know, and so what she says too, also is what gets in the thought in his head. Maybe she'd be better if I wasn't off, if I wasn't around. Yeah. You know, 
he knows that she's lying, I think, in the scene. I think so, too. And all he's thinking about is how much of a burden that he is. Exactly. He's, I'm, and, I'm a burden. I'm. Uh, he's getting those thoughts in his head. He doesn't need to say them. We know what they are. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, it's the ideation that he's experiencing once again that he had when he was younger. And mm-hmm. I think has probably had often, you know, throughout his career, his sure. own career, too. And then there's always but, just like the um, the the preparation scenes. Like well, I didn't, I didn't well, know. Well, before we get to that, though. Oh, he does. Oh, she gets do out of bed. Scene. She gets out of bed, and yeah, they do the the thing of hey, just wanted to take one take more look at, look at you again. I think is a way of saying goodbye. <laughs> it is. That's exactly what it is. That's Which is exactly what he what did with his. That's what he did with Bobby. He wanted to. He had that one last thing to say to him. You know, it's like he was already thinking of it. Maybe there too. Mm-hmm. Even though it really kind of hits home. When he talks to Rez. Yeah, hmm, I think maybe, that's, maybe. What, that's what I'm thinking, too. I think it's like when I say that Rez effectively kills him, it's it's not Rez's. I'm not saying he's a murderer. That's not what I mean. <laughs> no, but I, I think but he's definitely he's making him realize that or making him believe, you know, that he that uh, Allie would be better off without him around and that she would never say the things to him that rez is she would never do that right well and she doesn't rez she, even says not that. gonna it's like she yeah. would never tell you this because she's always gonna put you above her career which it's true she should <laughs> which she should and which is well that's her choice I mean, though yeah and that should you would think that would make that would make him uh and not feel better but that would kind of it, it has it just has the opposite effect because right? yeah he feels like a burden yeah well he he uh, he doesn't want to stand in her way i think that yeah. is what it's coming down to you know you're, yeah these you know the preparation scenes like, like i you said i did about. not know what was coming early i still didn't really get it i think until the next part that makes me cry well first yeah. like he gives charlie a steak <laughs> he gives charlie the steak and- which is like uh Pulls the, pulls the truck out of the garage. And yeah, you see him. He takes takes more drugs. Yeah, takes you know the last see him getting high the one last time. Out of the car. Yeah. And the way that this is shot, where it's just of his lower half, like walking into the garage, holding and then the belt. yeah, holding the belt, and then that slow shot of him like just putting his hat down on the table. Yeah, that gets to be. <laughs> Yeah, a me, lot. Too. me too. A lot. That's the part that uh, really cuts. And then that long shot that holds on his on his face, finally going to seeing his face right before he like pulls the garage door closed. Slams the garage door <clears throat> closed, yeah. That's hard. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, um and all of while this you know, the cuts to Allie, yeah. you know, having this big final concert. She's singing shallow, she's got these cheering mm-hmm. fans, she has the lights on her. And all she's thinking the whole time is Jack here. Is Jack here? Has he arrived? Is he showing up? They do like the prayer before they're going on stage. Like, you know, mm-hmm. think about they my husband, them. Jackson. And when she's singing, after she's done singing Shallow, she's like, give it up for my husband, Jackson. They have an empty microphone set up for him. Yeah. Because he was going to come on and sing it with her. You know, she's going through like having to do a costume change. And she's like, he's not here. Someone go to the house. All she's thinking about is something's wrong. Yeah. And she knows it. Well, and then, you know, they show the lights, the 
red well, and blue sh- lights on the wall. Yeah, well, there's a shot before where Charlie's sitting outside the garage. Yeah, outside the you garage. Can just, yeah. You can just barely sing, see him hanging yeah. in the window. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you don't really look for it, you won't even see it. Yeah. Um, but then they... Uh, they just cut to the to the red and blue light sort of flashing against the house, and you know exactly what is going yeah. down, right? So, okay, there's this scene that I find I find it really powerful, but I'm also slightly distracted in. I'll I'll tell you why. When she is in the hallway and she mm-hmm. punches the poster, there are three posters on the wall. The one that is closest uh, to camera says uh, Washington State Fair, April 21st, 2011, Puyallup, Washington. Oh, really? <laughs> Puyallup, Washington is my hometown. Shut um, up. <laughs> and, um, and it was not called the Washington State Fair in 2011. I'm sorry. It was, the I think, the Western Washington <laughs> Fair or the Puyallup Fair. I can't remember which. Um, but they had just changed the name like in 2010. So it's, it's close. Um, I caught Washington, but I but, didn't catch the town yeah, name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so I was like, wait a minute, the Washington state fair. And I paused it. I looked at it like, holy shit. Because <laughs> like, that's, that's the fair is like a big deal in our town. I mean, and the it's, day it's, after your birthday. <laughs> and the day after my birthday. So uh, every single so the first movie had a connection to your birthday. This one has a connection to mine. What do you know? <laughs> Very weird ones too. Weird. It's strange. Um, but it's hard because that scene is really, really powerful. Right. <laughs> you know, where she's just, you can just feel the sadness, but then that anger, she's just pissed mm-hmm. off that he would do this to her. Or that she couldn't stop it. Or that she couldn't she stop tried. it. I can't. I don't know Being angry the yourself feelings that, she lied. that go through everyone's mind when they experience something like that. I can't even imagine. You know, I, I what kinds of thoughts would go through your head? You know, mm-hmm. especially if it's a spouse, I think, or a child, or a close friend, or family, whatever, whoever. I mean, that would just be like, what? What did I do wrong? I think would be yeah. just a big. A big element of that. And it's um, never what anybody else did wrong. No, 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 no. It's never not. anybody's fault. But it's I never think she's their also, fault. I think she's also pissed off at him. Sure. I, you there's know, always that element of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's all of that happening. It's just. Uh, she's and mad I, at herself it's, for it's, lying it's, to him. That scene mm-hmm. that she has with Bobby. Ugh. Yeah, the last thing <laughs> I said was a lie. The scene with Bobby is one that I almost forgot about because. Um, that's the whole movie. It's a really, it's a really important scene. It's kind yeah. of, you know, all of those themes, you know, the same story uh, told over and over again. And also what he says about, like, I think, I didn't write the whole thing down, but I think it was Bobby talking about seeing Jackson with her, like seeing him back to himself again, like the way he performed the music and, and saying that was like, that was good to see because, you know, it wasn't all for nothing. Yeah, he didn't go through all of this just for to him to not have found the the love that he found with Allie. Maybe it would have been more tragic if they had never been together. Like she was actually good for him mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, yeah, and then, um, and then all that stuff about yeah that, about the I I can I can write the whole thing down about twelve notes of different I know I, I or was like I wanted to write down everything that he said because it was I know, so me too. beautifully said. <laughs> And that goes back, and that goes back to them. They um, think because they he had asked her before when they were in Arizona, 
He's like, how do you hear this? Mm-hmm. They're always asking each other, like when they saw like lyrics or uh, that they had written is always, how do you hear this? That's what he's talking about. That's right. That's exactly yeah. what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He loved how you see them. Ah. He loved how you see Damn them. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. I, I, I mean, the way that is put is just... I mean, it sums up so much that I about the way I feel about music, but also mm-hmm. the way I feel about stories. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the way the way I feel about you know just different people I've encountered. You know, I mean, it. it there's, I don't know. Maybe that's my favorite piece of dialogue from the movie. I I think that's quite possible. I think so. It's really something. Okay, so I then, think that's why know, the whole movie gets to me. Is like because yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that connection to another person and also the connection to art and then the the connection that you both have through art. It's, it's a very powerful thing. Yeah. For people that are in tune with that, um, that can be a very emotional thing. To That's why this movie gets to me because it's so tapped into that. And I, I feel that about a lot of different art forms like mostly movies yeah but then you know like also talking about uh, crying when i hear people sing because they're such good singers like when you have Mm -hmm. that connection that's that's a very powerful thing it really is now this closing performance you know i can't imagine being a grieving person and having to perform something in front of all these people like that i i you know so she gets up there. Uh, Not just a song that he wrote, a song that he wrote for her. For her. <laughs> about for her. her. About yeah. their relationship. Like, yeah. fuck. I know, I know. And so, <laughs> and there's this, it's this big, huge, sweeping arrangement that is like, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, but I tell you what, I think cutting that halfway through and just going to him at the piano, <laughs> The last part where it, I cry. <laughs> when he just this. sings it, on his own with that with that raggedy scruffy mm-hmm. voice of his that does he doesn't have the same instrument she has as a uh, vocalist yeah but i tell you what i i would rather listen to that version because i mean it's just i just uh, just cutting to that simplicity of it mm-hmm. and the way she's just watching him singing it the way she's looking at him and crying because this is yeah. after he's been in rehab after he's come back home that they're uh-huh. doing this obviously uh-huh. in the story so you can just feel the, this, the love this should have been the brand new start for mm-hmm. them yeah and instead it's how it how it ends and it's yeah. just uh the ends and, and then the in the middle of it he's ending. not even yeah and then he, he's not even done singing she has to like grab his face and give him a kiss because she's yeah. just like feeling it so much uh yeah i love that and i love that you know they don't cut back to her singing it they just they show her after she's finished it mm-hmm. and it's just sort of this beautiful way to end it but i mean i think cutting because at first i was like okay that's it's, it's a lovely arrangement it's big it's sweeping it's beautiful it's very produced then and the way she's performing it again is is remarkable. The, you can hear yeah. like her choking up and certain all the parts. emotion. Uh, yeah. the, her her element of it, I have I love. You yeah. know, I gotta say, uh, but I but and I she's think, back to her mm-hmm. who she once was. Her exactly. hair is brown mm-hmm. again. Her hair's it brown seems again. Like she's, uh, yeah. And this is the kind of song she would sing. And yeah. I and I but you know I think it's everything that all the trappings that surround her that are are still feeling a little bit you know there so to go back to just this how this started just just music and them 
yeah. is so powerful. And, and it just suddenly cuts. I yeah. mean, there's no transition. It's just pop. And there it is. And I think that is uh, one of one of my favorite. That's brilliant. That's one of my favorite edits. Yeah. In, it's in, brilliant. In, in, in a movie that I've seen in a while. And I don't know, maybe maybe over time that will be thought of as something that is just that brilliant, you know, that kind of thing, you know, one of those great moments in editing, you know, like when mm-hmm. in Lawrence of Arabia, when he blows out the match and you're in the desert or something like that. I don't know if it's okay. that. I don't know if it's that great, but it's pretty great. Because <laughs> as soon as I see uh, them again, as soon as I see him alive again, you know, yeah. I'm just like, mm. Niagara Falls again. And another thing they don't do, they don't do a big montage while she's singing in this performance of all their memories together. They show a couple of clips of it. A little bit. But it's not like the whole thing. It's not a big hadoo to do during that. It's just a couple of things to of their connection but then to cut to him is just like oh god. Mm. And and, and it wipes me out uh, at that moment. At this point, I have cried four different times <laughs> during this movie. And then, yeah, by this end, I am just like, okay, I need water. I got to rehydrate. Because yeah. it's just, this movie is takes a lot out of me in that way every single time. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't know that I'm, I don't know that the other versions are going to affect me as much, you know? They probably won't. You won't have the same kind of connections to them um, musically or with... Because, I mean, they're old school kinds of music, right? <laughs> um, I remember being emotionally affected by the one with James Mason and Judy Garland. It's long. It's the longest version. It's like 142 minutes. I mean, it's really got a lot going on. Um, but I don't know. Again, it's it's telling that story multiple ways. You know, a couple of terrific directors that made those first two versions, too. You know, William Wellman yeah. and George Cukor are some of the best, right? But... I don't know. I haven't seen him in so long. I couldn't tell you. Well, in terms of this version of the story, um, I love the way Bradley Cooper saw this. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that he presented it. This is a beautiful movie. Beautiful. It is. It is. <laughs> Never fails to be effective. Ah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, as always, we have a couple of recommendations for you, though I'm not entirely sure what they are. <laughs> we'll see. Go ahead. Do yours mine, first, and I'll I, see what mine is. Mine is just related because um just because i hadn't i haven't really been watching a whole lot i don't have anything super great to recommend but i do just want to shout out more lady gaga we've already mentioned her performance in american horror story hotel which is honestly i think it's my favorite season of the ones that i've watched i haven't watched all of them but it's either it's it's between murder house and hotel for me um so i love her performance and guy I like yeah. Asylum. <laughs> I liked Asylum. But Hotel was just, uh, aside from her, uh, like, being a vampire, that's, like, one thing. That's just awesome. Like, so this is a this is a season that has a haunted hotel, right, with ghosts and vampires. And, you know, you die in the hotel and you become a ghost. It's got ghosts of serial killers. It's got, <laughs> it's got pretty much everything that I'm into and everything that I love. That's pretty much just my recommendation. I don't know if that's a recommendation. That's just me saying, I love Hotel. <laughs> well, it's a great, you know, it's a showcase of Lady Gaga's acting ability, mm-hmm. I think, too, you know. Yeah, um, she's awesome in it. She's so yeah. awesome. Okay, well, I'm honestly kind of coming up with something off the top of my head. Okay, because, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, because, okay, so the, what I've been watching lately has 
been stuff that we've already recommended. You know, you recommended Squid Game, which I've kind of become <laughs> obsessed over. Uh, I've watched it two and a half times now already. Nice. But then also Cobra Kai. I uh, got my wife hooked on Cobra Kai, and I already, uh, I already uh, recommended that though. And yeah. we're watching season four right now, and it's it's just, it's just <laughs> awesome. But I am going to recommend something that is musically related that just sort of popped into my head while we were talking about the rehab scene, and that is one of my favorite rock biopics or biopics, depending on how you like to say it. Uh, from the la- okay, good from the last few years. And that is Rocket Man, the one about Elton John. Uh, Didn't see it's, that one. it's really different. It's got a great lead performance, and it's got just this sort of surreal way of approaching everything. It, I've never seen a movie that quite dealt with drug addiction uh, in a in a biopic anyway, where there's a bit of train spotting and the whole you know the <laughs> the the fan the fantasy of it all. Um, There's a sense like when he's first starting to take off and become famous where he's like floating and the whole audience is floating. And um, it's like, he's, we're all lifting up. We're seeing something new and crazy and different. And it's, uh, it really made me appreciate who Elton John was when he was starting out, you know, the stuff he did in the seventies that I think was really Really unique and really uh, different, you know. And talk, you know, who Elton John is now compared to who Elton John was then is pretty astounding, you know. I mean, and it's the story of a closeted gay man, you know, discovering, you know, embracing this side of his, of who he is, uh, this element of who he is, and but it's a terrific film, terrific performance, and I think so many biopics sort of follow the same arc of story. Little kid wants to be a rock star, becomes a rock star, gets into drugs, almost destroys everything, and hits recovery and he comes out of it. This is, I guess the arc is the same, but the way it's told, again, back to the way it's told, is just different. It's so different than that. And it's really fascinating and really well done movie. Okay, coming up next time, we have something kind of big. Yeah, as in <laughs> big it's topic, seven hours long. Seven hours long, <laughs> kind of a big uh, that's involved right. watching, topics uh, to get into. Yeah, 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 that's right. We're watching Bellatar Satan Tango. No, just kidding. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> it's an art film. It's seven hour art film in black and white. You know, that, <laughs> that Hungarian, I think. No, we're not watching. Well, you we're not enjoy watching that. Satan. We're not watching. You enjoy Satan that. Tango. I'm going to be watching Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass, and I'll watch it with you. Okay, because <laughs> um, that's what we're covering next. Uh, now, yeah. here's the thing. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how we're going to be able to cover this in one episode. I, no idea. I, I don't know. I, well, we're gonna have to kind of see what happens. We may uh, split it up into parts, like two halves or something like that. I don't know what we're gonna do yet, but. Whatever it is, we both, when we watched this, were like, we need to talk about this one. It's really something that I've been wanting to talk with you about more in depth, what it deals with, just to kind of get your perspective on that, really. And I think what how this one does it, it kind of covers all the bases in a way. It deals with 
so very many things. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I, I sat down to write an article about this and I realized I could write a dozen. A book. Easily. Yeah. So there's just so much to discuss. There's so, it's so dense and so layered and so f- more than anything, I think filled with compelling characters uh, that are rounded and layered and depth, have great depth and uh, complication to them um, might get a little personal yeah. at times too. But I'm interested in hearing your perspective too, because uh, you know we obviously come from very different backgrounds when it comes to our view of religion and its uses and abuses and uh, various aspects of it. And so yeah. I will. Um, I think in this movie or this series, I call it. I always call it a movie, <laughs> even though it's a series. Feels like it, a very long movie. It does, and I think it gives so many complex and multifaceted sides to the story you know and i think that's one of the things that makes it as good as it is it definitely made me question my thoughts too Hmm. in certain ways okay which we'll get into okay (laughs) i got no transition okay that's it (laughs) (laughs) so without transition uh where can you find us uh you can find me on twitter at michelle in agan you can find me at Brian D. Kuiper. And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. We've gotten could, some more reviews yes. recently. Super, super sweet, nice, lovely reviews to read. Thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. It has been it's <laughs> been wonderful. Thank you to those who have reached out to us too. And we've had mm-hmm. some nice conversations uh, with some people through the DMs and stuff. Uh, also we never mentioned this, but you can find both of us individually on Letterboxd. We don't have a letterboxed for the show or anything but if if you are at all interested in our movie watching habits um (laughs) you can and what we think of things you can uh follow us on there you know just search for our names you'll probably find us uh neither of us have the most common i think mine's just like michelle e or something that's what comes up i don't know okay mine i know the handle is like brian waves 42 yeah yeah that's what my handle is is just michelle e Okay, well, that is it. And you know what, Michelle? What? It was you I idolized. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just quoting the movie. You're not really. Oh, 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 yeah. okay. oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Got okay. it. Got okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I idolize anyway. you too, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. <laughs> so anyway, we will, in fact, see you next time. Yes, we will. Bye. Bye.